Let's do the damn thing. Oh, you know what time it is. It's time to take it to the burn land. It's about to go down. Hope you're ready. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, let's yeah. go. Come and roll with me to the burn land. Friends got to giving you the word, man. Any other BS is absurd, man. Sports talking, they give it to you firsthand. They can talk turps, they can talk O's. Yeah, they both lit. That's how it goes. Baltimore squad, Ravens and Poe. Better tune in. Here gonna show. Birdland, Birdland, Birdland. BS. Birdland, Birdland, Birdland. BS. It's all about that BS, baby. What's up, BSers? What's up, peeps? Fred, Scott, and James in the house tonight. It's Ryan and Drew have the night off. Yeah. Old school. Yeah, man. We got a uh, good so show. Uh, it's, uh apologize for not being here last week, but I needed a week off to handle some things. So uh, I'm back. Looking forward to catching he's, up on some stuff. I would say he's back and he's got a lot of catching up to do because we, uh, we had a lot of talking last week. We do. <laughs> Hope you guys appreciated that new intro. Kudos to Ryan uh, for putting in the time to put that together. It was yeah. A fun little spin on things, man. We kind of took some clips from our pre-draft selections and pre-draft, pre-draft predictions. You know, I know we're going to get into it, but that last clip was pretty interesting. Yeah, Wouldn't pretty interesting on yeah. the flip-floppy it's, there, it's James. Funny, it's funny, Ryan can't come to the show, but has plenty of time to fucking pull clips of <laughs> That's more the government than it is, I'm, Ryan. I'm going to take two weeks off and put my clips together. <laughs> uh, oh, well, man. speaking of the draft, uh, again, I want to say thank you to all of you who tuned in for our draft day special. Uh, again, thank you to everybody who contributed, who donated to that. Uh, as I mentioned, I'm going to do three giveaways. Uh, I wanted to wait until I was back to be able to do this. So I apologize for waiting the extra week. But uh we're going to do three. So we're going to start by doing one giveaway now. We'll do one after the Ravens segment. And we'll do one after the Orioles segment. Uh, the way that this works is based on every $5 donation, you got eight entries into the actual drawing. And every single single dollar donation, you got you got a, the uh, you got single one. entry. So you got yeah. a single entry. Uh, so the way we did this is based on how much you donated, we gave you a certain allot- allotment of picks. Uh, and here is the list. Scott will show you. Yeah, that by too. the way, David Missler is chiming in. Uh, Drew was apparently, he had it at 10 and 7. <laughs> like, he was trying to give away way more than you actually originally agreed to. <laughs> I asked him if it was coming out of his pocket. He said no. Yeah, Drew's going to have to come up with the rest. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we'll All do right. three. So here's the list, right? So if your number falls in the range next to your name oh. here, uh, you will win. Uh, one of the shirt giveaways. Again, yep. it'll be a Ravens jersey of your choice. We can get you one of the rookies. We can get it your name, whatever you want it to be. Or you can get uh, yourself a Berlin BS shirt. I'm just, I'm just saying. Yeah. You can support the cause. So just to keep it fair, again, it was nine donors that were on this list. We're going to try to spread the love a little bit. So if you do get selected, you won't get the chance to win multiple on this. So your name will be removed. Uh, but we want to make sure everybody gets a little bit of love. So, again, we appreciate it, and thank you for all the support through this. So to throw it out there, so Brian Blake has 1 through 16, Ryan Harris 17 through 32, 33 through 40 goes to Vince uh, Figueroa, who was awesome during during that uh, entire show, yeah. commenting like crazy, calling Called in. in. Yeah. yeah, appreciate it. Uh, Alex, I, we know you always are out in the chat room, 41 to 192. Thank you for the $95 on that, man. Got you 152 yeah. chances. Uh, Joe Braun, not to outdo him, but he did 100. The last second, literally yeah. right before we're about to sign off, the big dick on the table. Bam. Here yeah. comes Joe Braun. Uh, so Joe Braun, 193 to 353. It's 160 of them. Joe Carlozo gets 354 to 458. Appreciate it, Joe, with the 65. Uh, David Mitzler, 
He was the guy that put it all on the table. Yeah, he, he just did multiple he times. spread out the love. Yeah. Uh, at $114 total, that gave him 188 chances, the highest chance of uh, 22% here. He'll have 459 through 639, 640 to 800 for our good old boy AB. Oh, I mean Nick Short. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> with his $100 donations. Again, guys, appreciate that. And then uh, Emma and Lily. They made their donation as well. They I, reach into those piggy I didn't banks. I know that uh, four-year-olds could do a uh, whole PayPal hey, account They reach into their piggy banks and, and, and set it, so we're going to see what we can do for them. They're going to have 801 it. to 816. All right, man, uh, let's uh, let's flip this over here. We're going to yes. do a, a random number generator, and let's see where it falls. So we got numbers 1 through 816. The first the first winner of the Birdland BS draft raffle is... Give me a drum roll, please. Ring. Uh, 419. So where do we fall? 419 is Joe, Joe Carlozo. Congratulations, Good Joe. Good job, buddy. Good job, buddy. Appreciate the donations as always. Again, two more giveaways to go. We're going to do one at the end of the Ravens segment and one at the Orioles. Uh, so Joe Carlozo, jersey of choice. First winner. Can't That's win awesome. again. Again, but thank awesome. you all very, very much for the donations. We really appreciate it. Uh, but we also have, you know, with not only the that, we, we did have the Ravens. We need to get your take yeah. on the Ravens draft overall this week. So we're going to be diving into that in a little bit because you didn't get the chance to be here last week. When we really, when we really broke some of this down, you're going to be able to give us, you know, you originally gave us an A as your overall grade, but we mm -hmm. want you to maybe dive into that. Maybe you've changed your mind. Maybe you looked at things a little bit more. So we'll talk about that and really kind of dive into to your thoughts on the draft. Yeah, I mean, since then, obviously, rookie minicamp has transpired. Uh, we've seen some clips of what these guys look like in Ravens uniforms. We're going to talk a little bit about that. There have been some moves happening around the castle specifically today, so we're going to talk about those corresponding moves and what that means for the team moving forward. Yeah, and the Orioles have been making some moves of their own with the May cut to a 26-man roster, and uh, some baby birds are making their debut while others rehab, and we continue to see this Orioles team have some like flashes in the pan. I'm liking what I'm seeing. It's exciting and it is. uh we getting a chubby. We we could see some guys that we've been talking about in the next few weeks. No, uh, it went from chubby to full on. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into that later. Watch Fred get a full on. <laughs> <laughs> so hey guys, the team over at MD Crash we've been telling you about for the last two years. They've expanded more lawyers handling a much broader spectrum of cases now. Still handling all your auto accidents and injuries at work, of course. Uh, but the team now at Bowers, Son, and Herndon can help you with family law issues from divorce to custody, even child support. You can call now or text 667-220-6500 anytime for any of your your needs save this number now update that old md crash number in your phone 667-220-6500 call or text anytime to get the team at bowers hassan and herndon on the case for you all right fellas so like you said we got a lot to talk about with the ravens i am kind of foaming at the mouth at this point to <laughs> talk about draft and prospects and the overhaul of this roster well before you do let's let's get to what everybody's wanting to talk about i'm sure is some of the stuff uh that's been going on with the ravens news breaking today really over the past 24 hours multiple little tidbits of news and some people speculating as well with news so what give us the give us the straightforward what what was the big news here in the past 24 hours well, i don't know how big the news is but the well, ravens big for some people the ravens did add a running back which is a little peculiar uh, peculiar because i just didn't peculiar. think peculiar can spell the word can say it <laughs> i just didn't him. know I just didn't think running back was an area that they'd be looking to fill through free agency right now um so it kind of set some alarms off i started to worry that maybe there's 
some issues going on with Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins that we're not aware of. Maybe the the progress hasn't gone as smoothly or they don't think the timetable is looking as early as they expected it to be. But they do bring in Mike Davis, uh, who's a big bruising running back. He's not really the type of running back that we have in the fold right now. So he does add a little bit of a different blend to the running back team. I, I do think that this is more so just a camp body move. It's just a depth move for now. It's more of a, I guess, an insurance policy, you would say. Uh, he wasn't very good last year with the Falcons. I'll say that. But the, no. year, the year prior in 2020 and 2019, uh, he did do well with the Panthers. Uh, again, it gives them uh, a back, a big body back that's good in pass protection, uh, which helps them. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm not opposed to it. Uh, I, just does, I just hope it doesn't hinder us in any kind of way of making other free agent additions. They did say it was a one-year deal, so it's not a long-term commitment of any kind. Uh, I don't know what the salary cap implications are on it yet. We'll talk about that when we, when we get the actual numbers. But, you know, again, you can't, in a run-heavy offense, which, like it or not, this Ravens team is reverting back to what they did in 2019, which was run control the clock, control time of possession, keep the teams off the field as much as possible to eliminate as many opportunities as you can from them putting up points. And I think that's kind of just – it goes in the line of what they're doing. They're adding another piece that could contribute in the backfield. Well, it's a depth piece, and the other side to this was the people that are, that are basically saying now, and you kind of confirmed it right before the show – Tyson Williams being released uh, off of his the uh, the tender on the free agency tender. Yeah. So he is now off the unrestricted free agency. He he can go to whoever he wants is as a true free agent. Yeah. Um, but there, the the thing is, is I, I as we were kind of talking pre-show before this, I was scrolling through and Bobby Trust, I think, hit the nail on the head. And Mike Davis makes sense with this. I think it's a depth piece. I think Mike Davis is also a guy that, that you bring in as an insurance policy, yep. not just for Gus Edwards and uh, J.K. Dobbins, but we know that they got Batty in the, the seventh round. So yep. if you are six, six, six round, round. Yeah. yeah, six round. So they got him in the sixth round. So if for some reason he's not like doesn't seem to be working out, can't work, you have another insurance. It also creates competition for him, too. Right, right? now you have a veteran. So one of the things that, that we, we kind of heard before and John Harbaugh has kind of said it, and again, credit to Bobby Trostad to dig to dig this out, but take a listen to what he actually had to say about this. I'm actually going to put this on. Uh, I got to put it on Bluetooth here for a second. Let's see if it actually gets over there. You know, if you're a running back, you need to run hard. You need to break tackles. You need to get yards. You need to pass protect. You need to run the right route out of the backfield, catch the ball, get a field. If you're, if you're in the rotation, special team sure would help you. Get out there and put, go and run down kicks. Get on the punt team. Get on the punt return team. Because that's how you get on there when you're the third back in that case. So I'm not talking about one player. It's anybody in that spot or it's anybody uh, in any position. Uh, you got to produce. I'm not talking about that player, but I'm talking about that player. Exactly. 100% <laughs> he was talking about Tyson Williams in that case. Exactly. And that's, you know, Bobby Trusted with that, bringing that out, I, I, it, we were sitting here kind of talking before show, and it's like that is exactly what we've said from the get-go with every player with John Harbaugh. He just said it. It came out of his own mouth. You get yourself on special teams. That's how you make, as a third running back, that's how you make it onto this team. Right. And honestly, I'm sure, you know, we don't know the full details of the Mike Davis deal, but I'm sure if we do cut him, it's not probably going to be a heavy hit on the cap, right? Yeah. 
I mean, this this wasn't this move wasn't surprising to me. I know some fans out there were big on Tyson Williams and didn't understand why he wasn't getting the opportunities. You know, he did have some fumble issues early in the year last year when he did wasn't get some, physical. Some run. Ran it seemed to run too far to the outside sometimes. Right. Uh, he showed you know glimmers of hope. He showed yeah. glimmers of being a potentially good back and and. Maybe he will catch on with somebody else and, and be a good change of pace back for somebody. Uh, but, you know, you had a lot of very similar backs on this roster the way it was. And, and Mike, Mike Davis is different, right? Again, he gives yeah. you a big body back that can plug the holes, that's good in pass protection, uh, and that's something this team needs. Now, when you look at how it's currently constructed, you got Dobbins and Edwards, like we talked about, coming back from injury. You got Justice Hill is the big question mark, whether he's going to come back, where – he benefits, and where John Harbaugh is a Justice Hill fan is, to your point, special teams. All the things that he wasn't a fan of Tyson Williams is where Justice Hill contributes. But Justice Hill has also had some struggles with fumble issues in, on that special team. So, right. uh, so you got him. Uh, you got Nate McCrary, who was uh, you know back and forth between the practice squad. He actually had left. I think he went to Denver for a little while and then came back. I can't remember where Denver he Denver or Carolina both stick out in my head. Yeah, something like that. Then he ended up coming back to the practice squad. Uh, and then you obviously you draft Tyler Batty, and again in the sixth round you got an undrafted kid and Ricky Person. Uh, so they've got some options there, and they've got some depth. More than likely, they're only going to carry three backs to start the year. Like that's could they carry four? The fourth is a utility man. Period. Maybe, but I just you got to think about how this this roster is constructed, right? You're going to have three tight ends, and you're going to have Pat Ricard. So, I mean, you're talking about four players there that more than likely they're not going to carry four running backs as well. That's eight roster spots between yeah. those three positions. I seriously doubt it. Uh, and, you know, the, that, that brings up another question, right? This just all kind of leads into roster questions and stability and who's going to be here or not. If you're talking the Ravens keeping three tight ends, right? Well, the Ravens, I haven't had a chance to talk about this, but the Ravens draft two tight ends in this draft. Not in the sixth round. You know, they use two fourth-round picks yep. on these guys. Chances are they're going to make the team. You know Mark Andrews is going to make your team. Well, there's your three guys. That leaves Nick Boyle as odd man out as a big question mark right now. And, you know, Nick Boyle, the Ravens paid him very well to be a blocking tight end with, you know, with the ability to pass catch here and there. But he's one of the best blocking tight ends in the league, right? This, obviously, they're not going to carry four tight ends. Nope. They're not going to be able to hide one of these fourth-round draft picks who were very highly touted as tight ends in this draft. Unless they don't the show out well squad. in preseason. Maybe. And there's a lot of things that could happen in injuries and all that stuff. You, 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 you don't shut know what's your going, mouth. I'm just saying, you don't know what's going to happen. It's usually me that makes that statement. What the hell is <laughs> you it? Just, this is going to be a crazy-ass year if he's making those statements. <laughs> Jesus. I'm just saying, you don't know what's going to happen. But as the wa- roster's currently constructed, it does bring up some interesting questions. That's all I'm saying. It does. I think, in my opinion, I, I I don't know that Boyle's out, right? I think he's too valuable. You saw what he can do. We know what he can do. Now, does he is he fully back from the injury? Uh, hopefully so. You know, we saw some some good things at the end of last it's year. It's a pretty but, gruesome injury. But at the same time, exactly, that's the problem is he's coming back and, and – you're hoping that he's going to come back to the fullest extent. Now that maybe one of those moves is they know a little bit more than they're leading on right now. Right. Um, you know, which very well could be the case. We know the, how cryptic the Ravens are, especially with injuries. Right. Right. Which is why everybody was questioning. Okay. Uh, you went out and you got a tackle. Um, 
Ronnie Stanley all right? right? Like the guy that you paid all that money to to be your left tackle? Eh, we'll see what happens. But ultimately, you got to kind of take a step back and say, I think that this could go one way or the other. I just think I would imagine, and I could be wrong, I would imagine that these two tight ends could be a little more valuable to carry four tight ends than four running backs. Than four running backs. And I agree with that. That's ultimately what I think will happen because Nick Boyle's, again, value is as a blocking tight end. None of these tight ends that they drafted are special. You know, their specialty isn't blocking. Their specialty is pass catching, right? Yeah, good hands. Uh, good hands. Uh, so I think Boyle would be the choice, again, if health is all, you know, it, it, all things are good and health yeah. is good with all the running backs and with the tight ends. I think Boyle would be the fourth tight end that they carry, and they they nix down to three running backs. That would be my early impression as of right now. All right. So obviously we saw, you know, we're talking about a lot of these draft guys, and we're going to get into your draft, you know, assessment overall. Yeah. yeah. But so far, just looking at this draft class with the rookie minicamp, um, you know, we we see our first impressions. Anything that you didn't expect to see that stood out for you with with, with seeing all this? I don't know how much you can really garner from the rookie minicamp. I mean, yeah, it was cool to see him in Jersey. I think the one thing that stood out to me was how fast that some staple of numbers got replaced really quickly. I <laughs> yeah. mean, you had 22, Jimmy Smith's yep. number gone. You got 98, Brandon Williams, Big Baby's number gone. Five, Hollywood Brown's number, or, well, Joe Flacco's number forever <laughs> and always. Uh, but now that's gone, right? It was just kind of interesting how fast those numbers were replaced when – from a media standpoint and from a, a Raven standpoint, you hadn't heard whether Jimmy Smith was officially retiring or whether F Jimmy Smith was officially moving on to maybe another team. Yep. You haven't heard that announcement. You haven't heard anything about Brandon Williams signing a deal with anybody else. But to uh, give these numbers away so early to rookies was kind of surprising. Any number you were, you were surprised not to see uh, taken? Uh, I can tell you a number that I wish wasn't taken. How about we go there? Okay. How about 80? <laughs> God, why are you doing this guy likely dirty so oh, early, giving him God. Boykin's number? Yuck. Please, somebody take that 80 back from him. I don't want to put that guy. Because you know, you know, it's a visual thing, right? In Lamar's head, you know him and Boykin just did not have a chemistry. Every time he sees that 80, he's going to have that cringe. <laughs> I can't do it. I don't trust it. <laughs> it's going to be in the back of his mind, man. Get that number away from that kid. Give him something else. Uh, yeah, no, I don't, I don't want to see that number anymore either. <laughs> <laughs> either for that for that reason uh <laughs> but here's the thing though in, in all seriousness uh with this draft class man i think this class really has a chance to be a significant resume builder for eric DeCosta as a gm this has a chance to be a, a difference maker right there's so much talent we always talk about the ravens drafting best player available and they 100 percent <laughs> went that mantra here they didn't draft to need. I mean, yes, some of these picks worked out to need later on, but you know, to have a, a talent like Kyle Hamilton, who we were all high on, but Chibs, you know, our special guest, shout out to Chibs, was super high on, said he was best player in the draft by his board, right? Mel Kuyper had him number four. Right. I just didn't have him falling to 14. I know there's some mocks out there that said he might fall to 14. But we had talked about it, you know, the potential of him falling to 14 and would he be too good for the Ravens to pass up? And obviously he was. He, the Ravens went with their guy in Kyle Hamilton. It, it's just it goes to show that, you know, the Ravens stick to their plan and they've yeah. always done that. And I, I, I'm on board with it. 
Well, I, I mean, there's somebody that's not on board with it, but <laughs> but, but pre-draft, he was on board with it. If yeah. you weren't listening, uh, there was a little clip of, of James actually saying, hey, if Kyle Hamilton's there, take the safety out of Notre Dame. Uh, yeah, was James, there another safety I, you were talking about? I'm going to need you to defend your stance here. What happened with the flippy floppy here? No, nah, it was all about uh, for him. And then a couple of my buddies sent me some videos to watch. And I, you know, watched them and took it. I was like, okay, now I see some more film on him compared to what he was. And the games that he had great games were against the ACC, which I, I don't think anybody in there is, is uh, good enough to, to match up. And then looking at the history of going back at defenders on Notre Dame being good players, they mostly put... That's the Amber Alert going off. Uh, I was just yeah. trying to get rid of wow. it. <laughs> anyway... Okay, thank you, uh, Scott, for that. But anyways, uh, what, I do? <laughs> what? What? You had your Bluetooth on. That's why I went through. Oh, I didn't hear it. Oh. You're hearing it through the monitor. Just yeah, go ahead. You uh, can't. They can't hear it. You yeah. can. Oh, Sorry. I heard it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'll take it off now. <laughs> my, my bad. That's. I heard it. So I You're appreciate good. that. So, um, but yeah, like after looking, watching film on him, it's it just. I I'm hope I'm 100 percent wrong. I really do. But for him being from Notre Dame, I just don't think they put out good defensive players. So that's your main concern is that you just think because he's coming from Notre Dame that they don't tend to historically put out good defensive Correct. players. And then because of their schedule, they make their own schedule. They don't get to play like Big Ten or whatever. They get to play the USC's and who they want. And, okay. and, and talent's not there. But now they, they, do, they do play more of the ACC teams. But before they can make they can make – their own schedule and do what they want because they're Notre Dame, but they always fail. Just like uh, they have never won the national champions. They're always up up top and this and that, but they really don't put good product out there. All right. I mean, I don't – listen, I, I obviously like players from more established programs, guys that play in the SEC, guys that play in the Big Ten, guys that have been up against more talented competition. I understand that thought process. But, you know, to Chib's point, man, I, I went back and I watched the tape because I, I had seen some highlights of him but didn't really know a whole lot about him, and I didn't really care because, honestly, like I said, I just never thought that he would make it to 14. Yeah, right? you aren't looking at guys that are, that are you're expecting to go in the top 10 right. much, or much less top five. And everything that you had heard about the kid was the main reason he was dropping was because of his 40 time at the Combine, that his 40 time wasn't great. Yeah. And we all know how we, we all feel about the 40, 40 time. Yeah. Like, it's, it's just it, the whole underwear Olympic thing is ridiculous. <laughs> So I went back and watched tape, and there really isn't anything that this kid can't do. Are there things that he excels at and things that he's versus things that he's good at? Yes. But where I think he really helps this roster is his versatility, right? This is a kid yeah. that you can line up as a dime backer, you can line him up in the nickel, you can line him up in the free, you can line him up as a strong, you can line him up in the box. There's so many different things that you can do with him. And what's what really for me stands out on tape is his football IQ, his ability to read plays. He watches quarterback's happening. eyes. 100%. And that's where he might make up for that speed. Well, you know, if, if he's lacking that straight line speed, well, he makes up for that route. in anticipation yep. and jumping routes. Well, Go ahead, I just James. want to say, Dave, I never said anything about their offense. No, he was saying, I'm, yeah, I'm saying their defensive. You could name a lot of offensive player, like um, the running back, uh, from the, the Steelers. Uh, uh, Najee Harris? No. Um, 
Jerome Bettis? Jerome Bettis. He's from Notre Dame. Joe Montana. <laughs> Uh, they, they made yeah, a to, couple, to, couple to James's defense, tight ends. Miles Boykin. I mean, come on, you got to no. throw him in there. <laughs> they make great <laughs> offensive linemen. Like that, they're known for offense. But you can't tell me, besides Justin Tuck, and he won a Super Bowl with the Giants. I get it, but defensively, like boom, that's you know a name that you're continually putting out there on defense compared to offense. But then everybody wants to talk about his play against uh, Florida State where he makes a spectacular highlight and everybody shows that play. I could have made that fucking play. And what I'm saying is <laughs> when when the quarterback rolls right, you know where the ball is going. Most of the time, he ain't going to throw it across the field. This ain't the NFL. That. So you know he's going to throw it that way. And he made the jump and made that spectacular play, which is they're his highlight. But, but that's, that's the one that you see on ESPN. That's the one that you hear all the time. But there are many other plays. There was somebody who put out like almost a 20-minute clip on YouTube of nothing but Kyle Hamilton clips and playing, again, all over the defense. Uh, his, just, his, his closing speed, his anticipation, uh, being around the ball, that whole ball-hawking guy that's going to potentially make turnovers is what this defense is sorely and, missing. And the other thing, is, Sean, Sean brings up a good point here. He says, what's your opinion on Cam Chancellor then? He played at Virginia Tech, and I'm not worried about Kyle. Exactly. It's either you got it or you don't, and he's got it. And I think that's the point here is, is that there's Absolutely a raw— right, Sean. There is an absolute raw athleticism that everybody— it, it seems to be in agreement on. I, For whatever reason, he fell. None of us in this room are going to claim to know, to know the reason that Kyle Hamilton fell, but this was a guy that on many, many people that do this for a living, we're, we do this for fun. There are people that do this for a living, and many, many, many of them had him as a top-tier talent that was going to go at minimum in the top 10. I don't take anything... Credibility from Mel Kuyper. He's been saying a lot. He he thought he thought Patrick Mahomes was not going to be great. Like he has a lot of. Listen, you can go back and pull up. Videos everybody's like, got their rights. On, everybody's got their wrongs. You can pull up videos of, of Mel Kuyper being like me, saying, you know, this guy's a top top five player. You must, you can't miss on this guy. And then he's out of the league, or he's a bust. Like these people ta are just like me and you watching film, getting paid to watch film, and. And, and, and make these... Todd's uh, calling you out and says Harrison Smith is a damn good safety that went to Notre Dame. <laughs> Mel said Lamar is a wide receiver. That's true, too. <laughs> yeah, this is true. So, yeah. I mean, listen, nobody's mock draft is perfect, but I think the consensus is that Kyle Hamilton was a top 10 pick, and yet again, yeah. another value falls to the Ravens at 14, and again, it was too good for them to pass And, and again, we did, you weren't here when we talked about this last week, and if you didn't hear us last week when we talked about this, one of the things that came up as they interviewed EDC and Harbaugh after that first round was EDC said it was eerily similar to what happened when they got Marlon Humphrey and when they got Ronnie Stanley. Both guys fell to them. They did not expect him to be there. Right. And when they fell, the phone wasn't ringing. You're talking about two all pros at their position. Right. EDC made the comparison to saying this situation, not necessarily to him, but the situation was eerily similar, and they didn't think this guy was going to be there. They think he's a top-tier talent. They looked at him. They think it's there. Again, there's a reason we're all sitting here and right. not in the draft, the actual draft room for the Ravens. Exactly. So, you know, everybody's got to temper expectations a little bit. Here's the deal. I'll be the first to admit it, and I know you will too. Neither of us, gut instinct, were like happy about the OA thing. Even after we reflected, oh, no. we were like, eh, yeah, I don't know about this. I don't know about this. I don't know there about this. There were other needs that I wanted at the time for exactly. OA. And we, we 
kind of pounded our fists and like we don't. I'll be damned. Game one, he didn't have us going. Oh shit. Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Right. Game two. Oh shit. Yeah. Game five. All right. All right. All right. He's I was starting. ready to eat my words yeah. after game we three. We all ate. Crow. That's why we bought the yeah. damn crows. Right. We all ate crow on a way. Because of that. So look, it's one of those things. Kyle Hamilton will see time. Only time will tell what happened here. What's going to happen here? But this is a guy that that really comes in, makes an immediate impact. They've you know so, they put the green dot on him. In, yeah. in the rookie minicamp. Now, it's rookie minicamp, so don't read into that too much, but I think someone may have. Yeah, so that's kind of what's got, I think, Ravens flock up in arms, right? was after the Kyle Hamilton pick, I think a lot of people were like, well, wait a minute. We just spent all this money on Marcus Williams, bringing him in. He's supposed to be that ball-hawking free safety. We got Chuck Clark out there, who's kind of our field general, our leader out there, the green dot, right? Uh, where does Kyle Hamilton kind of fit in? Like I said, if they're going to plan on going with all three, there's multiple ways you can use Kyle Hamilton because of his versatility. But it sounds like somebody's in his feelings a little bit out there in Chuck Clark land uh, because he's deleted everything from Twitter that had anything to do with the Ravens. He put Hollywood. He put a tweet out there. This could go one way or the other way. It could, you know, whatever. Sounds like he's being a little emotional. Jason Lock and Fora, which take this with a grain of salt because it's Jason Lock and Fora says that Clark wants out. Um, I'm kind I of listen to Jason Lockenfora as much as uh, James listens to Mel Kuyper. Yeah. <laughs> I- I'm kind of surprised with that, man, because Chuck Clark, you know, was a guy who he's defeated the odds, right? You know, a lot of teams passed up on him and didn't draft him, right? The Ravens took a chance, gave him the opportunity, uh, and he's earned it, right? He's worked his ass off, and he's been a very good safety. Uh, but so for him to kind of have this reaction after a draft pick uh, is surprising to me, but I, you know, Harbaugh has made it clear. If it's up to him, he'll have all three. But, it, you know, we've seen the history of what the Ravens do when a player wants out. They don't like to deal with that, tox, you know, the toxicity, toxicity of it. Yeah. They end up trading or they end up getting rid of or finding, finding value, more draft picks. So I wouldn't be surprised. I, if, I'm really curious to see what's to, and to hear eventually what's going on, what, hopefully hear what went on behind the scenes with all this. Because at the same time, we we all said it, you know, last really for the past two years. There's a difference in how the setup of this offense goes when Chuck Clark is on the field versus when he's not. Right. His football IQ is high. He has the the ability to put guys in the the right spots at the right time on a, on a pretty regular basis when he's on the field. He's able to do well with that. He can commu- He's a good communicator when he's on the field. Some of the issues in communication last year. He wasn't on the field. Just going right. to point that out, right? right? And that's one of those things. You can put the green dot on somebody else, and that's fine. But, the, again, the value of a veteran that can that can help you, I, I, I really question it because I don't know. It was something said from what Harbaugh was saying. He said there's going to be some situations where you're going to see Kyle Hamilton, Marcus Williams, and Chuck Clark all in the field at the same Absolutely. time. Absolutely. So is it Chuck Clark getting in his feelings that he's being told, hey, Kyle's like showing up, man. Like you're going to be competing a little bit for more more snaps here, or, or we need you to step up and and coach him, or whatever it may be. Maybe something like that's happening. We're just—it's all speculation. Anybody that thinks they know what's going on here is—it's literally just speculation. But it's—I'm going to be really curious to find out what the what has triggered this out of Chuck Clark because Chuck Clark up to this point has seemed to be one of the most level-headed Ravens next to Tony Jefferson. Right. So to see him kind of act this way, it's like, 
what the hell is going on? Yeah, and you know what's funny is like a lot of people got emotional and reacted to seeing the videos and the images of Kyle Hamilton prior to all the news about Chuck Clark. Uh, having the green dot on in practices and minicamp. It's rookie minicamp. It's minicamp. Somebody's got to wear the green dot. Also, they need to have a backup option. If Chuck Clark were to get hurt, they have to have somebody who's used to the communication, who see knows how, how he to, can handle it. See how he handles it. Right. We talk when we talk about Kyle Hamilton. There's a lot of things that you like about him, and one of the things is his football IQ. Right. He's again an instinctual player. He's a very smart player. So it doesn't surprise me that he might be a secondary option to a Chuck Clark to wear that green dot. By but, the way, in OT and in preseason they float the green dot around to like eight different players right to figure out okay what are the combinations here's our primary guy here's our secondary guy in case those two these guys have there's so much depth to that green dot stop reading the fuck into it i sure as hell hope that's not part of this yeah because if it is like chuck clark i love you man but like don't get in your fucking feelings just because somebody's testing out the green dot you should know better and that's to drew's point leaders find a way to make it work go shove it down their throat then if you're so good and so important that's exactly my stance on it too is make them have to take you off the field go out there and show them that you are the chuck clark that you say you are and make them have to take you off the field I, i i just i i think this is an overreaction again i think it's him being a little bit emotional but we'll see because again the ravens don't deal with these types of things for long and there are some other needs that the ravens have right now and we know how eric DaCosta is with trades i mean there's been some pretty one-sided trades that DaCosta's made in the past so Listen, Chuck Clark could, could Eric Dealer Eric Dealer Costa. Like that's what I call him. Chuck Clark point. could be a day one starter for a lot of teams in the NFL right now that if he can flip that for a cornerback piece, if he can flip it for a wide receiver piece, all things that make sense under the cap, I would not be surprised if the Man, Ravens do I that. I might have to get EDC to help me make a trade with Fred during the, our draft. <laughs> <laughs> Fantasy you gotta, football, you gotta man. Bring in, you got to bring in the expert. Sorry with the devil there. Uh, well, look, it, you know, we're talking about that 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 secondary, right? And an interesting name that kind of got floated out yesterday that you brought up. Yeah. Quarterback James Bradbury of the Giants was released. Yep. They apparently were originally shopping him around. Nobody was biting. Any interest here? Uh, of course, the interest is there. Uh, the reason that he was released wasn't performance. The release, the reason he was released because of cap situation. I mean, he was a mm-hmm. ten or eleven million dollars savings by them releasing him. James Bradbury can still he can play, uh, and I would love to see him as a Raven. I just don't think the Ravens have the cap room to it's be not, able to sign. Make financial him. sense. Yeah. There's plenty of other teams out there that are going to be able to sign him for more than what I think the Ravens are comfortable signing him for. Um, this is this isn't uh, this isn't. Um, oh God! I started to think about it. <laughs> That's all right. No worries. Like I said, he's this a, isn't a video game where you can have an unlimited cap space. And right, you can get it's whatever not the hell you want. Exactly. Madden, thank you. There you yeah. go. No, I get it, and that's that's the problem. Is Bradbury would be a, an an ex, an excellent piece. I just think the Ravens are right now super tight against the cap. They still have you know Justin Houston in the works of potentially being back. Depends on what happens with him between now and July deadline. Yeah. Uh, so there's money that's going to get eaten up by the cap if they bring Justin Houston back. Uh, you know, and they've got a need at wide receiver, right? And and I think right now the bigger need, at least in my opinion would be outside linebacker and wide receiver. You can't have them all. You can't bring yeah. in all these pieces. As much as I'd love to have them, I just don't think it works. Yeah, no, I th- and I think to your point, wide receiver is probably one of the most important right now because you just lost 
you know, what many consider to be your number one wide receiver, not necessarily your number one receiver. We all know right now that's freaking Mark Andrews. Yeah. He's your number one receiver as a whole. Catcher of the but, football. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but there's been a lot of ch- chatter amongst Ravens flock, uh, some speculation that the Ravens are interested in some certain guys. Uh, a few names have been floated out. Jarvis Landry, Julio Jones, Will Fuller, Ty Hilton, any any of those like jumping out at you that wouldn't caught that wouldn't be that cap murder situation? That's going to be the problem, right? And and when you look at these players, uh, obviously Jarvis Landry is the guy that's getting the most buzz. Uh, played in the AFC North, very good wide receiver, still very productive, sure hands. But honestly, in my opinion. He's mostly a possession receiver, and that's mostly what this Ravens roster is already constructed of. So would he be an upgrade over some of the options that we have now? Yes. But the amount of money that you're going to spend and how much of an upgrade it is, I don't know if Landry's the right guy. What they lost in Hollywood is the burner, right? The guy that can take the top off the defense. Rashad Bateman has a little bit in that of that in him, but he's, he's more of a, a – a well-rounded receiver could do it all, right? They need somebody, in my opinion, that can take the top off the defense, and they really don't have that. I think James Prochet and Tylen Wallace should both get run. I think both of them can work in this offense, given the right opportunity, but they're more of the the over-the-middle, the possession-type guys, uh, which is kind of like a Jarvis Landry, right? The guy that I think would be the better option, you're going to crucify me for this, but I think it would be Will uh, Will Fuller. And the reason I say that is because he does give you that electric, over-the-top, down-the-field option that the Ravens don't have right now. I know the red flag is as big as my head, right, because of all the injuries and everything that he's dealt with over his career. And that's what that's why he's a free agent, and that's why, because it's not talent. The guy is super talented. He just can't stay on the football field. But yeah. if you bring in a guy for a year and you can strike gold and get – 12 to you know 14 games out of this guy he gives you something in my opinion i think this offense is in need of yeah and missing and it's not going to cost you what a landry is going to cost you yeah if i'm going with anybody i think obviously it's going to come from experience i'm just talking about off this list you're talking landry julio jones fuller and ty hilton ty hilton basically told the ravens to go fuck themselves last year right so that didn't happen i don't want him here i don't think he's a very good wide receiver at this point in his career anyway julio jones i love julio jones it's gonna cost you too much it's gonna cost you too much and again he's not a at this point in his career i don't know how much he's going to take the top off the defense another over the middle Big body, strong, Anquan Bolden, physical type receiver. Yeah, but the uh, argument to, argument to Fuller would be is if that's what you're looking out of looking out of a receiver, Fuller's not necessarily providing you that with all the injuries that he's stacked up anyway. That's what I'm saying. I, oh, did you not listen to me for the last two minutes? Go on my rant. That's well, what I'm saying. I was looking up. So I, I gotta I gotta point this out. Craig Zero, you keep bringing up that name, and if you're talking about the YouTube content content creator, I don't know why you're even bringing up the name Tom Grossi, which is a content creator that does stuff for the the. The Packers. So if he's talking about him, have you ever heard of that name, Tom no, Grossi? Never okay. I don't even know what you're talking about. All right. Well, either way, I, I listen, Will Fuller, I think, adds another dynamic to this wide receiver core that they need, right? Uh, I just, I like Landry, and I think he would be an upgrade over what we have. I just don't know how much 
value, how much more of an upgrade it would be uh, over what we already have. At some point, you wasted draft picks on James Prochet and Tylen Wallace. You got to give these guys run. You got to give these guys opportunities. You got to give them a shot. And I think both of them. And and listen, without injuries in college, Tylen Wallace was a second round pick last year, hands down, no problem. He would have been a second round pick. The only reason he fell was because of some of the injuries that he had in, in college. Right. I think Tylen Wallace needs that extra work he's got and a higher needs that ceiling, extra time. Yeah. I think he's got a good ceiling with us. And again, he's under a rookie contract, right? Will Fuller adds that down the field, nine route, over the top that we don't have right now, and that is the big thing. If we're missing anything by this Hollywood trade, that's what we're missing. But no, that's what I, that. so you weren't listening to what I said. I said... I don't think Will Fuller can do that anymore after the injuries. Oh, no, he hundred he still can. He did it last year. It's the matter of just staying on the field. That's the problem. Right. I don't think he's hampered or slowed down any because of the injuries, if that's what you're saying. Yeah. I, I think he he can still perform but, and do those things. It's just a matter of can And it sounds like a lot of people are agreeing, like the, the whole play prochet thing. You've got to, at some point with him and Duvernay, you really have to get them out there and right. see. Right, and I'm not even mentioning Duvernay, and right. I should be. And, and that's the thing. You've got to get these two out there and see what they can really bring to the table and really provide you from an offensive standpoint. So, I, look, I get it. it. It's that shiny that shiny thing that's out there, right? right. It's that dangling in front. Listen, but Ravens, anytime, fans, Ravens fans see a shiny thing are. and they go, ooh, that's how, ooh, that's ha- how. Can I have that one and that one and that one and that one and that I one? I love Ravens what? flock, but the minute Chill somebody out. comes available, <laughs> everybody starts going to bargain nobody, nobody wants to think, I've been in spaces where nobody wants, every time I bring up, okay, who are you going to get rid of to, to get rid We don't need to get rid of anybody. Okay, how are you going to pay a salary? We don't worry about no salary cap. Okay, what is this? Like, is this, are, are, like, yeah. what the hell are we talking about here? Right. And, and, and Eric DaCosta actually talked about that a little bit in his presser, or it was on one of the podcasts that he was on where somebody talked about him about like cap manipulation and all that stuff and how people pay over the cap and all that stuff. That money comes back to you in the long run. Like so, these teams that spend over the cap, there are penalties and there are money that comes back. It's it's not like they're just yeah. nilly willy getting over the cap and there's no real penalty for it. He like, taxes seventy five percent. Like there's a, there's a, a penalty of seventy five percent for every amount that you go over. So if you go over the cap, sure you can go over the pa- cap by hundred million. It's going to cost you another seventy five million dollars. So it's costing you one hundred and seventy five to go over by by hundred. Good. Sense <clears throat> with this list, I don't want any of these, especially like what Fred said with T.Y. Hilton. You had your chance, yeah. You they basically told here. us to go fuck ourselves, and and you took less money to go back, and you didn't do shit last year, so you can go right off and just go home. Will Fuller can't stay on the field, can't stay healthy, PEDs problems and stuff. Julio Jones not overpaying, he's too slow, he's like a statue out there. The only one would be Landry, and like you said, you're going to have to break the bank, and it's not worth it. Use This year, just use the guys that we have, see what they have. If not, then you go draft somebody next year. Right, and, and like I said, I really believe, and Raven Flock, you got to get out there and you got to wrap your minds around this, the Ravens are going back to 2019 in the way that this offense was ran because for multiple reasons, right? 2019, they led the league in rushing by yeah. a severe amount, and they're getting both of their stud running backs back, hopefully from injury, right? They were the number one scoring offense in the league that year. You hopefully have a little bit more stability on your offensive line this year, which right. provides more to the run and opens up the, the passing game. Not only did they win 
the time of possession battle, they dominated time of possession. And that is the biggest defense you can have is winning time of possession. I know people just don't understand this concept, but the less opportunities a team has to score, the less points they're going to put on the board. The less time they have to be on the field, the less points are going to be on the board. So the Ravens are stacking their defense, build, the build, building this defense. As long as everybody comes back healthy, they're going to be a formidable, very good defense. Building their running game back up between J.K. Dobbins and, and Gus Edwards, Lamar Jackson just so happened to win his MVP that year in 2019, right? And they won 14 games that year with a makeshift wide receiver core. Yeah. Very makeshift wide receiver core in 2019. It is going to be 2019. And I think again. Sean just said it. The, the three tight end set is another thing you, you might you might see them definitely get back to. We, we There's a reason they drafted two tight ends. There will be at least three tight ends out there. There will be formations with three tight end sets. Hell, there might even be formations with three tight end sets, a running back in the backfield, and Pat Ricard out there. Mm. It's possible that we could see that. So Davis says, yeah, but that offense didn't ever beat the Chiefs. Okay, I get that, and I understand your point that – but here's the thing. The Chiefs are not the same Chiefs this no. year that they were back then, right? They're a much different wide receiver core that they had. They don't have that burner in Tyreek Hill who killed us a couple of times. And it's not like we ever got blown out. We, we lost one bad game to the Chiefs, and it was at home at M&T Bank. Thank God no fans, including myself, was there to see that because <laughs> of COVID. Uh, but outside of that, we were never dominated by the Chiefs. And I think a run-first offense, as long as you're scoring the ball at a high rate like they did that year – can beat the Chiefs. Yeah, and defensively, Sean, I like what you're thinking. LJ Fort, bring him back, coming back off of injury. I mean, his salary when he was here last year didn't obviously play, but it was only 990000 So that as was a base salary. LJ Fort. Remember I talked earlier? LJ Fort, you know what I said? Yeah, no, no. Okay. Remember I said earlier about the whole numbers thing with the rookies that surprised me? Mm -hmm. That was another thing, and that was telling. LJ Fort last year changed his number to three. That's right. James Prochet just announced his new number is going to be three, which is what it was in college. So to me, that means that maybe what the was Ravens, LJ Fort before? Uh, 58, 58, something like that. 50, I think it was 58. Or something like that. 50, okay. at high 50s. But then he changed it to three this past season. Well, now James Prochet picked up three, which was his college number. So I don't know if the Who Ravens knows? are just like, fuck it, you're not under contract. So. Everybody that is under away. contract, yeah. we're going to give it away. It hey, is what it is. Hey, but Fred, we'll I just want to give you a heads up. Just yeah. on hit a home 53, run. thank you. Cedric hit a home run? Yes, he hit a home My run. Man. My man. My man. He's doing good over yeah. the last last few weeks. <laughs> All right, so obviously we went down. We're not going to go read back down through the entire list of, of Ravens draft picks uh, and the undrafted guys and the, uh, you know, the things that happened. I, there's two things I want to get from you. Number one is... I want your, you know, we, we got the reaction on air during the live draft. Mm -hmm. Now that you've had to digest the chance to digest it, the news came out that he asked for the trade. He came to EDC, announced it right in the press conference. He announced it. This had been in the works. They kept it quiet. I want to get your take on the Hollywood Brown trade. What we got for him, your overall take on how it all transpired and, and just your takeaways from that whole thing. Now that you've had time to digest. Uh, there's a lot there's a lot to it, right? The instant reaction was, whoa, holy shit. I had no idea that Hollywood Nobody Brown was even <laughs> like being shopped around, right? Then it was the emotion of, holy shit, they just traded 
Lamar Jackson's best friend. What the fuck? That's not good. Um, but the more as reality set in and kind of just how about the Ravens go about things, right? I, I talked about it earlier. You know, the the Ravens, if, if somebody's not happy, they do whatever they can to appease the player, but also get the most value in return for it, right? Versus having a disgruntled Eric, player. Eric is the best at that. And he's very good at it, right? Versus having a disgruntled player hanging around the locker room, somebody that doesn't want to be there. Nobody wants to deal with that. The player doesn't want to deal with it. The, and the team doesn't want to deal with it. it. Yeah, exactly. So for them to be able to trade him, who he was a number 25 overall pick, Hollywood Brown. Trade him for a number 23 overall pick, after getting three years of use out of him right before, you know, he's going to go into his contract year next year. This was a smart move. He was not going to sign here long term. So he was going to walk for nothing. You were going to get nothing for Hollywood if you kept him around other than another year of a pissed off player that doesn't want to be here. Yeah. And then nothing long term commitment wise. So this was a great move by the Ravens. Shocking. Caught me by surprise. But it's a great move. And then you flip that into taking Tyler Lindenbaum, who I said was hands down the best center in this draft. We thought we were taking him at 14. Well, I said that if they were going to trade back, that would be who would be that would be the target. If they didn't pick at 14. I think you said 22 23, which is where they originally traded back. I said in that early 20s that if they traded back in the early 20s, Tyler Lindenbaum was going to be the guy. Well, they took Kyle Hamilton to 14, moved back with the trade of Hollywood at 25, and got Tyler Lindenbaum, who. I, I'm ecstatic for uh, the center position has been an issue with snaps and consistency. Building a wall around Lamar is going to make Lamar the most successful. And if you listen to Eric DaCosta in his recent podcast with, uh, I think it was Studio Twenty or Studio Forty Four with yeah. Marlon Humphrey, Lamar. where he was talking about it, he said, "Listen." I talked to Lamar in many conversations, and I asked Lamar, what's the most important thing to you? Offensive line. It wasn't wide receiver. It yeah. wasn't weapons. It wasn't these pass-catching threats that everybody wants, all the sexy guys. Give, it me, was, give me the time and ability to make plays. Build me a wall, right? And to solidify that center position at least for the next five years, because you've got this guy under a rookie contract in the first round, you've got control over him for five years, yeah. He is going to be a Pro Bowl type player, maybe All Pro type player, uh, hands down. As long as he stays healthy, he will be a Pro Bowl, maybe All Pro type guy. Lock that in for five years. No brainer. This, I mean, this was a no brainer trade yeah. for 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 Eric DaCosta and kudos to, to him it for off. getting yeah. it done and not being a wuss like some people are. But here's the other thing. The other thing that impressed me, and we talked about this last week. The fact that they apparently have had this in they had this in the works for weeks. For weeks. He was already down that there. That was probably one of the most impressive things. He walked out on me. stage at the the, the uh, Cardinals draft party before the trade was even announced. Exactly. And it didn't leak out on Twitter. It wasn't people weren't going crazy. Like the the silence behind all of this. Respect to Hollywood. Respect to Hollywood Respect for to doing everybody, it. Involved. everybody involved, and I'm saying specifically it's, to Hollywood because it's usually the player who leaks some type the, of like. Well, not only leaks like, about yeah. it, just goes out on social media and makes a complete ass out of themselves. Hollywood, yes, he removed his stuff from social media, a la Kyle Murray, Kyler Murray, like his yeah. buddy down there in, in Arizona. But other than that, he didn't go public, 
And even, you know, they, they had him on the podcast with the uh, I am athlete, I am athlete. Yep, right, at, right after it happened. Uh, they talked to him and he was very candid about it and, and said that the Ravens granted him, you know, his wish and did everything. And he didn't have a problem with the Ravens organization, knew that this offense and this Ravens was this Ravens team was going to be successful without him. It wasn't, the system he, he wasn't, wasn't a fit for him. The system wasn't a fit for him, which to me means I don't want to block. I don't want to run over the middle. I want to go deep and you throw me the ball. And that's what Kyler Murray can do. And that's what Kyler Murray and that offense did at Oklahoma. That's where and he wants to be. He he said it without setting without saying it. And so I think there was like uh, a few people that were saying, I think Craig Zero said, you guys owe me, owe me uh a, a car washer. I think Chuck Summers said he he'd wash Craig's car. Uh, but it, it was if if they were saying that if G because he was saying that Giro was the reason that Marquise left, mm-hmm. and to an extent, that's true. It was about it was about the scheming. It was how he was being utilized. Well, who does that come down to? Who makes those decisions? For the most part, it's two people. It's your offensive coordinator and quarterback. He showed nothing but love for the quarterback. And he didn't say a goddamn word about it about the your offensive listen, coordinator. Listen, you hired me. On the wall. If I'm Greg Roman, and listen, I'm not the the I'm not going to pound the table for Greg Roman and say he's the best offensive coordinator in the league. You all know I don't have the greatest opinion of Greg Roman, but he is an NFL offensive coordinator. You hired him to bring his system in and to bring his scheming in, right? Hollywood Brown is a wide receiver. He's a guy who is either going to be a piece of my system or he's not. And if he's barking up the tree that we need to change this and we need to do this, you need to use me in this kind of way. See you later. This is my system. This is the way it's going to be ran. And if you don't want to be a part of that, go talk to Eric and see what Eric can do for you. And I think that's what happened. And kudos to DaCosta and the team for getting it done. Because again, I I think to trade him when you weren't going to get him for long term and you weren't going to get him for anything to get a first round pick and turn that into Tyler Linderbaum, I'm happy. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense for sure. All right, so the overall draft, what the Ravens were able to provide. A little reminder, right? Round one, we all gave our grades. You gave a B plus. I gave a B to B plus. James over here gave a C plus because we didn't get uh, uh, Trevor Penning. That's not true. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Drew gave an A minus. Uh, and then after we kind of went through and we said, all right, what what are our grades last week? We said, what are our grades? So I said B plus overall. James said B. Uh, so he greatly upgraded because we got a punter in the fourth round. That was his big thing. Yeah. Uh, and then Drew gave an A. So what is your overall grade for this Ravens draft in EDC this year? Uh, you know, I'm right there with Drew. I think it's an A. Okay. And the reason for that is you've got – Three first round talents with with your first three picks. with your first three picks. David Ajabo is one hundred percent would have been a top fifteen pick in this draft without, without question, without the injury. Right? We've seen players come back quickly. We saw one in the Super Bowl and Cam Akers come back from an Achilles yeah. injury like this. Right? I'm not worried about David Ajabo coming back. Right now, the timetable is potentially coming back in October, which is a very similar timetable that Rashad Bateman had last year when he made his debut. So if we got a top 15 talent in the second round and all we got to do is wait six or seven weeks into the year to get him and to pair him with Odafe. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Right. I'm fucking excited. I'm real excited. Good, James. I have to ask this. Because uh, Scott already answered. 
Now, would you put your money up that Linderbaum is starter day one? I put $100 saying that he's not. Yes. Okay. I'll put $100 on that today. You okay. hear me live on air. Well, I did it last $100, week. $100, Tyler Linderbaum okay. will start day one. Day, day one. one of the, day of the one. season. Day one of the season. Okay. We're trying not to give him any outs over here. No, yes. no, 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 no outs. I'm just saying, day one, first game of the year, he's our, our center. He's our center. Okay. 100%. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, again, to get that kind of value, those three picks, right, to get a guy like Travis Jones, who Travis Jones was probably the third-rated defensive tackle, you know, obviously we were all very high on the kid out of Georgia, the big athletic freak mm-hmm. that we all wanted in Jordan Davis. It gutted me that he went one pick before us. Yeah, But it's okay. Hurt. It's okay. We got Kyle Hamilton out of it, right? Tra- Travis Jones was the third-rated defensive tackle in most people's draft board. For him to keep falling, I wanted to take him in the second round. My brain had completely forgotten about David Ajabo for a second. My brain had completely forgotten about him. I wanted the Ravens to take Travis Jones in the second round. Then when they drafted Ajabo, I was like, fuck, well, yeah, I like it. The, you know, whatever. I'm on board. The, you the were salivating okay. in the third round. Then. And whatever. <laughs> and then when he kept dropping and nobody was taking Jones, I'm like, there's no way. If he falls and the Ravens do not pick Jones here, I'm going to be livid. And they picked him, man. So, I mean, listen, top to bottom, did they get the wide receiver that I know a lot of people out there wanted? No, they didn't get the wide receiver. Uh, But, again, this shows that I think that their direction is going back to 2019 where wide receiver wasn't the primary focus. Wide receiver is probably primary focus four or five on this team on the offense at this point. Um I think that what they did in this draft, they got some cornerback. They got the best cornerbacks, and and one of the best cornerbacks, really on a very prestigious organization. You're talking about Alabama, right? Yeah. It was funny as you watch these picks happen. The word is out with all GMs that the Ravens tend to pick Alabama players. I don't know how many times in this draft, at <laughs> least two or three times, somebody jumped right in front of us to take an Alabama player because they thought, well, it's the Ravens. They're going to go after their Alabama guys and take Alabama guys. Well, we, you know, we get the corner and Jalen Armour Davis, which mm-hmm. a lot of people had him rated much higher than he went in this draft. Uh, I got to so, ask, how much were you salivating over Daniel Falele? <laughs> Falele, again, another value, man. It, that's what that was the mantra of this draft was value, value, value. I had said, and you probably heard it in the opening clip, Falele was another guy I was looking at in the second round, right? Or potentially trading back into the first late to get that extra fifth year for him because having a, a, you know an fifth offensive year, fifth tackle year on an offensive lineman you go it takes me back to last year when we had that whole greeny uh thing where he said if you're thinking wide receiver or offensive lineman right. you always take the offensive lineman absolutely period absolutely and I, I was so, so to get all these guys man yeah. i'm like the the only thing that threw up a flag to me in the middle of this draft was, the punter the was our Penn State guy, <laughs> our punter. And and I'll be honest with you, the instant reaction was, what the fuck? Here's the uh, Ben Mason pick, the, the out of the blue. Why the fuck are we picking a punter right now in the middle of the fourth round? I didn't understand it. But that was only because I didn't know about him. I didn't understand. I didn't. I didn't know anything about this kid. Did you watch the video that Drew was referencing last yes. week? Yes. So the interview. I've, I've watched right. the interviews. I've watched his highlight clips. He is a once in a generation type punter. Like he's not the kid out of San Diego State has a ridiculous leg. He can kick the ball a mile. 
but his accuracy is off, and that's what separates this kid from all the other punters in the draft. Pinpoint accuracy. Pinpoint accuracy, and again, you, how long? I want to see him with the guys from Dude Perfect. Right. <laughs> how long has Sam Cook been around? Yeah. He's the longest. He's been around for a very long time at this point, right? Yeah, he's the longest Raven. We wasted a fourth-round pick last year on Ben Mason. If we're using this pick to lock up our punter position for the next decade, yeah. I'm on board with it, and I'm good with it. You got the best punter in this draft, hands down. You got I the just, best punter in the in, it, in the past few drafts. It wasn't even on my few. radar. It wasn't even on my radar. I know yeah. a lot of people were like, oh, Sam Cook's days are numbered. He's not the punter that he once was. It would save us $2 million by cutting him in the cap thing, and I get that. But it just didn't resonate. I'm like, nah, Sam Cook's got at least another year or two left in him before the Ravens look to replace him, and if they do, it'll be an undrafted guy, some diamond in the rough that they'll find. But to get this guy in the fourth round and sure up your punter position for the next 10 years. Yeah, is and that's, what that's one of the things I said was this situation was no Kare Vedvik. Yeah. Right? It was yeah. no Vedvik situation where you're getting a guy, which Vedvik. Craig was, Zero, 100%. Flair is a better version of OBJ. Vedvik was a good guy, right? Yeah. He was he was a good pick. He did, he did well when it came to the Ravens. And the Ravens are good at special teams. Right. But he went to a team that in Minnesota, not so good at special teams. <laughs> Let's be real. Right. And failed. Right. For for lack of a better term, it, especially Kudos after. Kudos to Eric on that one, too. Maybe EDC sent the guys out there on, uh, was it Monument Street to beat them up or whatever it was <laughs> when that happened. Right. But either way, it, 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 overall, I think this is a different situation. I think you're right. I think it's, it's one of those things that it, Face value when it first happened, we all were kind of like, except for this guy. This guy was excited. I'm letting it. He's, he's chopping it he's, he's chopping it a bit over there. But everybody was kind of like, what? And then you start seeing this stuff, and you start, if you put them side by side, this kid's got a lot of similar traits. A lot of similar traits, and in some aspects, he could give Sam Cook in his prime a run for his money. Field possession is crucial, and we all know John Harbaugh is a special teams guy. Go ahead, James. Yeah. Okay, for you guys, there are homers that love Sam Cook. Rumor mill is apparently there's a possibility they might Sam Cook might be on the team for this year. I don't see how that's possible. Well, they will not carry two punters. No, not carry two. That punters. guy did all in in. They in can't pro- put him on the practice squad. <laughs> no, he's not going to explain make this to me, James. But also, it could be they love him so much, like how you guys all love him so much that he might be part of the organization as well. Ah, so an Anthony Levine kind of move where he goes into like a front office position, but not a player. Correct. So, and I'm good with that. I love Sam Cook. Uh, I think make him does. a special teams yeah. coach. Hell yeah! Everybody does, and and I'm all for it too because I think. Sam Cook can do a lot of good to this part of that really good that can make it better in the long run. That's so. exactly what I was going to say, Jay. Great point, and it's a great leeway because how good is this player already? This punter, I don't even know his name. That's how, well, he, like, fucking. He was a soccer player. What from, the fuck's his game? name? Jordan Stout. Stout. Jordan Stout, okay. How good is he already on his own? That if. Somehow, Sam Cook is on board with this whole transitioning to a coaching role, and now his mentor is Sam Cook. Like Sam Cook is bought into making this kid I'm the best. Solid. Pay Holy Sam, cow! Pay Sam Cook whatever you were going to pay him as a player, as a coach, as a coach. But that's allegedly speculation. That uh, either way, high too. And I, I can see it too. I got a chubby over here. I can see it too because I didn't <laughs> I like know it. this, but apparently Sam Cook is the longest Raven, like tender. Since yeah, the league yeah. been around. Right. So 
David Missler says Sam Cook could make a great special teams assistant. 100% yeah. agree, man. Yeah. I definitely I think- could. But no, so again, overall, uh, I'm very happy with this draft. It's obviously very early. We'll see what happens. Uh, You know what's funny, though, is is the Ravens have a history of, for whatever reason, whenever they decide to take a tight end in the draft, they draft two. It happens all the time. And one always, it's always one works out, the other one's eh. You can think back to it, right? It was uh, Dennis Pitta and Ed Dixon. Then you had Hayden Hurst and Nick Boyle. Mm Mm-hmm. Or no, I'm sorry, Hayden Hurst and, uh, and Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews, yeah, yeah. And now you got these two kids. This is the third year that they've drafted two tight ends in one draft. And again, and I was hurt. always works I, out. I saw Ryan's point. Ryan and I were at the spring game for, for the Terps, which if, if you didn't get a chance to go to the spring game for the Terps, uh, then you didn't get a chance to partake in an amazing podcast. And it's a podcast that you just have to believe happened because <laughs> we don't have audio There's of it. There's video evidence just due not to some technical anything. difficulties. Uh, we had a great time at uh, Maryland Spring Day, uh, Spring Day, and they had a whole thing going on. It was Maryland Day on campus. You know, the baseball team, which is doing phenomenal, uh, had their baseball game going on. There was all kinds of stuff. Across. Yeah, but anyway – it was during uh, rounds four through seven, and I'm sitting there watching the game and watching my phone, and the Ravens had so many picks back to back to back to back to back in the fourth round. I'm like watching my phone, waiting for it. The first tight end comes up for the Ravens. I'm like, fuck, right? I, the entire time, I'm hoping for Chig. You guys know that. I'm a big yeah. big Chig Conquo fan, big Maryland fan, but big Chig Conquo fan. At first tight end went off the board. I turned my phone over. I was disappointed. It was the first pick where I felt deflated. Oh, as I, I was like, motherfucker. Sucks, I was like, God damn it. It is what it is. So then you know, five minutes later, I get over it. And I flip my phone back over. And I'm watching the picks come on. And then I see another tight end go across the board. And it's not Chickaconquo. I'm like, what the fuck? What are we doing, Eric DeCosta? And instantly, I turned into like, I flipped the script on Eric. I was so mad at the point. I'm like, he hasn't gone yet. He's still on the board. How do we not take Chick? He'd be such a good fit. All these reasons, right? And then, you know, because in my head, I'm like, if he doesn't end up with the Ravens, he's going to end up with the Patriots. He's going to end up with the Steelers. Steelers and I'm going to hate him. And I'm going to hate life. But then he ended up going to the Titans, which, you know, I, I don't have a problem with the Titans. As much as we were rivals with them back in the day, I always respected those rivals. You know, the whole yeah. Ray Lewis and Ed, Ed uh, Eddie George and, the you know, Steve McNair and all that stuff. The Raven or the the Titans are a very good ran organization. This is their um, second. Not a, not a Mike Vrabel fan, though. I will say that. Not a Mike Vrabel fan. This is no. their second Maryland tight end. It is their second uh, Maryland tight end. That's true. The one guy was part of the whole uh, – yep. The miracle pass yep. thing, yeah, the forward pass that ended yeah. up going backwards or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. Yep. Yeah. All uh, right. Well, I, I'm glad that you kind of were able to give your takes on the on the draft overall. So you're you're grading it an A. You think they they really kind of nailed this draft. The 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 adjustments and the things you you think they could have done differently are minor. That's the way that I would take that. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think we're all we're all in a, a, a pretty close agreement. I think, you know, I would say I would there were a few situations that I would like to see. And, you know, one of them was Chig being on the board. And yeah. for me, just knowing and seeing him and, and seeing that, you know, he worked in a system that had struggles at points. But I think they were looking and saying he's he's a guy that's that's able to, to be physical and everything. But at the same time. They looked and they said, you know, Charlie Kohler out of Iowa State, very similar. 
they went with him. Yeah, I, I don't just, don't take this as a knock on either one of these tight no. ends because I think Kohler and I think Likely are both going to be good tight ends. Matter of fact, I really think Likely could end up being a wide receiver. Because they make him make the transition. Yeah, he's got the speed, he's got the athleticism, he's got the body build. You mean a reverse Boykin? Oh, and he's got the number. <laughs> uh, I was wondering if you figured that out. <laughs> makes me want to vomit. Yuck. Change your number. <laughs> yeah. I was a fan of you when I watched the highlights at Coastal Carolina. I was a fan of you until I saw your number choice. Yuck. Oh, Do your man. research. <laughs> All right. Well, before we get into uh, the the selection for our second giveaway, social media shout out, James. Who's been out in the chat room? Who's been chatting it up? Any uh, any good chat, comments? Chatting out. Dave uh, Mincer's number one. Um, one of the uh, questions that someone asked, I want to ask you guys, mm -hmm. uh, being that this was a deep Ravens draft class, do you think all 11 uh, draft, draft, draftees. draftees make the team? And then also you got to consider how we like to get undrafted players too. So I think it's going to be a tough year. But that was one of the questions that was asked in the beginning of the show. I couldn't scroll back up because everybody was typing in pretty fast. But want to get your take on that because this year is a weird year. I, I honestly do think that they all make the roster this year. Um, typically, the, you know, the guys that are on the back end of the draft. You, you always kind of question those fifth, sixth, seventh rounder guys. There's only one fifth, sixth, seventh <laughs> rounder guy, and that's the running back, right? Yeah. And, and I think – he brings something to this table. He's another guy that played in the SEC, was a very productive mm -hmm. back, can catch the ball and run the ball. I like this like kid. Uh, eh, similar to a Sproles, yes. Um, I, I think he makes the roster, and they're definitely not going to cut any fourth-round picks. And none of these guys, because of the value in which they took these guys and where they got these guys, none of them you can stash on the practice squad. None of them. Because I'm telling you, you put them on the practice squad, they're going to be gone day one. The only way that these guys – make it or stash on the practice squad is if somehow they have a really bad showing at which point I don't know why you would continue to, I guess maybe you're stashing them as a developmental piece but a lot of these guys you know we talked about it with Chibs going into you know up to 100 pick 25 130 these guys were starters, yeah. right? And so with these fourth-round guys that are, you know, 130s, 139s, 140s, some of these guys that people were projecting going earlier, some people were a little surprised that some of these guys fell, like a likely. Right. Some people thought that likely would have should have gone and would have gone a little higher, but the fact is playing for Coastal Carolina, a little smaller school, so a little less competition, but you get them in the fourth round, good value, maybe there's a little de development, but you see something on raw footage that this guy's got some good athleticism, some good physicality and some good hands. And I think that's where you look at it. To answer your question, I'm going to go a minimum of 10. There might be one guy. So to that point, the one guy that I think might, and it's it's extreme, would be Williams, the cornerback out of Houston. And the only reason I say that is we absolutely need cornerback depth. And I think if they don't sign anybody else, he makes it. Yeah. But if the Ravens, there's still some really good names out there on the free agent market as cornerbacks, to your point, what you just said a second ago, if he comes in and has a bad showing and the Ravens pick up somebody in free agency, he could be one that doesn't make the roster just because I'm, I wasn't a big uh, guy, a fan out of him. He was out of Houston. I mean, he was good, but he just nothing on his tape stood out to me. Not that, that would be the only one that, that might. I'm correct or not, but wasn't he the first one to sign? No, it was Batty, the running back. Yeah, Batty was the first okay. one to sign. Yeah, okay. Batty was the first one to sign. But no, I think for me, when I when I look at everything from from this perspective and I'm looking at all these guys, I, I think 
like I said, I, I think I think I would agree with you. I think he would be probably the one, unless one of the tight ends doesn't has like a horrible showing. Because remember, you also have Oliver right as a tight end, and you're yeah. not going to be able to with the way he was able to do it last year. I don't know that you could stash him either, right? So you got to think about that. I, so I do think that that I, I agree with you. I think the one guy that's kind of the bubble guy for me right now is Demarion Williams. As far as your answer to the undrafted guys, we historically have always gone with two or three. You missed out, Ryan. <laughs> this might be the one year it's going to be on the bubble. We could see, I think, maybe a max of one, unless you have a few of these guys have an amazing showing and you have a true competition in preseason. I don't I don't know where you're making up some of the depth on this roster right. if you if you bring on some of these guys. So yeah, I, one maybe one one guy if any this year as an undrafted there, guy unless there's a bunch of shows. There, there are some intrig- intriguing names on the undrafted free yeah. agent list that we brought in for sure. Uh we're going to talk a little bit about that next week and dive into some of those names and who might actually have a chance at making the roster. You know how the Ravens are. The Ravens always have at least one guy historically. Day, right? What there's, did we sign? 22? It was either last year or the year before. There was always that. There was one year where they didn't sign anybody. Yeah. But for years, it was historically, there was always one guy that always made the roster. And there's some big names. There was a ton of wide receivers, a lot of guys out there that uh, – you know that are fans of Alabama, the Slade Bolden guy. You know, there's yeah. there's a lot of pieces out there that could fit this team. Uh, it all really just comes down to how do they perform in the preseason, injuries, uh, and what do they decide on depth, right? Like how many pieces? Like we talked about with the running back in the tight end position. How are they going to carry four tight ends and three running backs? Four running but backs, Justin three Hill tight ends. Done, what right? are they going to do? Justice Hill, in my opinion. Unless there's an injury, I think he's done. Okay. I think Batty, the drafting of Batty, and now the signing of Mike Davis, the writing is Shows on the wall you that. for yeah. Justice Hill is okay. done in Baltimore. And Tyson Williams, clearly. So, All right, guys. It's time for giveaway number two. Dos. Giveaway number, number dos. As a reminder, here are those that are out there. So we got Brian Ryan. Joe Carlozo wasn't even here for the first pick. That sucks. Alex Joe Braun. Joe Carlozo wasn't here, but he is now out of the running. So if anything, 354 through 458 comes up, we're going to re-spin it. So we got David Missler, Nick Short, Emma, and Lily. So let's go over to our random number generator. We're going to pick it again. Give us a drum roll again. And we have 170. Winner is Alex, Alex Devon. Appreciate it, Alex. Woo! Hey, man, let us know. Send us a message. Uh, try to do so either through Facebook Messenger or through Twitter or YouTube Messenger, not in the chat room in here, uh, just because it gets to us and we can actually save it. Yeah. Let us know what size and what player you want on your Ravens jersey, man. And then Again, we'll, we'll also work with you to get your address to get it sent to you as well. Yeah, so. thank you very much for the donation. It means a lot to us. We got one more jersey to give away. We're going to do it after the Orioles talk. And just to uh, bring you up, uh, I text Joe because I haven't seen him in the chat room, and he's at a carnival with his kids. Uh, I wanted to know why you didn't answer his text. Oh, he texted me. I'll no, have to. Not, not right, now, so. but something that he texted you, and you haven't responded. He's a little upset about it. Oh, so uh, we got a Carlozo in his feelings, too. Yeah, okay. apparently. Uh, you didn't, I don't think we read through the rest of that list. I know we got no. to the question. I Give us the rest Carlozo of that list. Read. Yes. Um, well, Dave Minster was uh, number one. Thank you, Dave. Um, we have Marquise Robinson, Nick Short, Chuck Summer, Abdeed, Ryan Shamble in there, you know, couldn't come, but he's uh, being busy at work. Listen to the podcast. Appreciate it, uh, Ryan. Sean Carter, Matthew, Justin Marshall, Craig Zero, Dwayne Jones, uh, Jacob Paul, Nikki Sherry was uh, was also in there, and Sherry. Oh, uh, really? Cool. Yeah. 
Good um, to see you guys in the room. Uh, Thomas Morgan, Rick Gary, um, Todd, Mr. Missler. Miss, no, I'm talking about there was this, uh, oh. this, this new guy I messed up. Oh, because, okay. Uh, I think, but he had like a YouTube name. Todd, there it was. It was Todd. Yeah, there you Todd, Todd, Mr. Mr. Handsome Rod. <laughs> Rodney Chip Minor. I, I love it. Welcome. <laughs> um, I love it. Ahmed, and uh, that's about it. So I appreciate the comments were coming in. Uh, still getting the love about the Hammond's, uh, Hamilton pick. Um, you know, Trevor will be uh, a Raven in four years, I guess. So <laughs> we have to wait that long. So, Thomas, uh, I saw your question out there. We did a draft day special, and we were doing raffles. Everybody that donated $5, you got eight entries into this raffle. Uh, you know, people ask us all the time. Uh, we, we don't ask for donations, but people ask how they can donate and how they can support the show. Uh, if you go to our bio link on Twitter, uh, it's bio.link backslash BirdlandBS. There are some donations there. Uh, listen, every in the time the bottom right corner of the screen, not every too. time we get donations, I always do everything I can to give that money right back to you guys or put it into the show. Uh, we appreciate each and every one of you guys for your support. Thank you again very much. Yeah. Uh, time for some bros, bows, and oats. It's that time. It uh, is, man. Before, before we do that, we don't have a, a liquor sponsor anymore, so we are looking. If anybody knows any liquor st liquor stores or anybody any beer sponsors or, yes. or whatever, Liquor Stop had some changes in uh, in management there, so we're uh, we parted ways at that yeah, at this point. But that's what it is. But uh, James hooked us up with this uh, Founders Brewing Company. It's called KBS. It's the yeah. original. This uh, shit is good. This it's a twelve percent. It's barrel aged. It's an imperial stout that is aged in bourbon barrels. This shit, I, it, it, it's good. It's 12% is heavy, so I'm sipping it. You've pounded that thing. Oh, yeah, Jesus I pounded it. So if you've, had, if you've had the uh, the Hershey's Yingling, yeah. it has kind of that chocolate undertone to it like the Hershey's Yingling does. It's a little thicker, to Scott's point. It's a stout, right? So it's more of like the the Yingling or the, uh, yeah, the, uh, the Guinness type of uh, it's thick. filling. It's not that right? thick. But it's, it's not quite yeah. that thick, but it's, it's almost there. Uh, which usually I don't like Guinness. I am not a Guinness fan, but I'm not a, really much of a stout stout fan. But this mm. stuff is good, and at 12, percent I mean, you can see I'm like fucking burping and, and hiccuping and all kinds of <laughs> shit right now off of one. Uh, it's pretty good. Yeah, I like it a lot. The other, the other thing that, we, that we've been drinking on is something that I picked this us up. Tastes like candy. It's delicious. So this they, is scary. They, What's they, the alcohol content on this? Five. Okay. You could pound a bunch of these. <laughs> All right. Uh, but Sweet. so this this stuff is it's from Untitled Art. You've probably seen a bunch of these cans around. Um, I don't know if we could. Let's see if we can do this. So that's kind of what it looks like. This one's got pineapples, and we'll, we'll maybe post a picture or something later on. Um, but with this one. It's this is their pineapple mango hard seltzer. It's it's Florida Seltzer Company. It's untitled art, uh, but it's it's only so this is it's gluten free. Six grams of sugar, seven grams of carbs. Contains natural flavors, uh, and again, it's only five percent ABV. But it is smooth. That's good for my diabetes that I have self-diagnosed <laughs> myself of having diabetes. Diabetes. I got to beat the beatus. Scott, why don't you just show what you introduced to Fred tonight? Oh, yeah. Okay, so, so, so I Fred, like how, how old are you first? I am 40. Okay. Fred's 40 Thank years old. Thank you for old. the reminders, And if Scott. anybody out there is Fred's age and you haven't, then you're, you fall in the same damn category, okay? <laughs> If you've never had, le it's clear bottle right now because of the, <laughs> the color of it. If you've never had lemoncello, I got to give this to you, James, so people can see this. Yeah. 
But Fred, Fred was introduced tonight pre-show to Lemoncello. Uh, this I've heard stuff, of it. I've just, you know, I've, I always associated Lemoncello with like a dessert. I don't know why. Oh, but you I, can absolutely have no, it with but I, I, I'm saying I thought it was a dessert, like not a drink. I thought it was <laughs> well, a this dessert. This is not lemon meringue pie. That's how no, little I knew about limoncello uh, a cake. <laughs> Yeah, you can make a limoncello cake. But Sounds yes. delicious. So Fred has never had limoncello. If you haven't, it's basically like a harder liquor, like a vodka or um, a vodka, or I've seen people make it with Everclear. It's um, delicious. This stuff is delicious. It's actually, they, they take it and I'm they sad steep, it took me 40 years. They steep fresh lemon peels to make this stuff. And when you make it natural, it's so delicious. There's actually, we were telling Fred, there's a Brewed local. With the tears of angels. Yeah. <laughs> It's that good. Dave, they're, wait, they're, I had had that and Fred has it? Okay. Uh, oh, <laughs> David. I, listen, and I've been around the block and, and through every aisle in the liquor store and had pretty much everything in my day. That is one thing I have never had is lemon jello. <laughs> Somebody said lemon jello. <laughs> right. Exactly. Said, yeah. That's probably why I thought oh, it was dessert. Oh, my gosh. I'm so yeah. fat, I thought it was jello. <laughs> there you go. But no, this stuff, if you've never had it, it's, it's delicious. Again, fruit brewed with uh, fresh lemon peels. And so you can, like, you can actually, you can make your own. But even the pre-made stuff, as you taste it, it's delicious. 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 I would have had no shit. idea it was vodka. Uh, so, yeah. No. Get out there and try it. I mean, don't have to yeah. tell anybody you need to save 10%, but you can get out there and try it. <laughs> yeah. Go wherever you want. Find a place. You're Find not held to go to Liquor Stop. You're not held to go to Conowingo Road. Go wherever the fuck you want. Yeah. <laughs> we drink what we want now. Um, but, no. Oh, all right. So, yeah. let's get into bros, bows, and o's now. Uh, now that we know what's fueling tonight. So, uh, the o's are 12 and 17 overall. They've won four of their last five. Six of the last nine and went three, one, and one over the last five series. Woo! I didn't think I'd be saying that. Birdland is rocking right now. I mean, I listen, I had very, the bar was very we low. We are, we are. <laughs> yeah. The youth of the nation. Boom! That's what this is. This team is youth. Right. I, I, the bar was very low for me this year. I had very low expectations. I mean, we didn't even know who the starting rotation was going to be with this we're team. We're not in the cellar right now. Yeah, we're not. <laughs> You know who is? Boston Somebody is. with a much bigger payroll than what exactly. we have. Pretty sure they have a half a dozen players who have more, who are making more money than our entire fucking oh, you, roster. Yeah. You were talking about this before. Yeah. Like, just the overall, the team. Yeah, it's it's crazy right now. Overall, they're batting 294, 341, 462 this month. The best batting average, slugging percentage, and OPS, and second best on base percentage in the AL in May. Uh, so it's not like it's just a short-term thing. It's not something they've done over the last week. They've been putting this together over the last month, uh, and it's been surprising. Yeah. But I think for me, the, beyond hitting, and you, I'll let you talk about the hitting, but I, I think the biggest surprise for me has been how this pitching staff is held together from a rotation and a bullpen standpoint. I mean, they are I, – I, I did have to say I had a little heart palpitation today. Let's, oh yeah, you and me both. Because they they said that uh, the the first initial tweet was that Jorge Lopez would not be making the trip with the team, and I went, <laughs> "Shit, he got injured, fuck!" And then it was his grandfather passed away. So uh, yeah, condolences to the Lopez family uh, and to Jorge. Uh, you will be greatly missed. Hopefully, we don't need any save situations while you're gone. Uh, the team can handle it, and that they can put all runs on the board, and not have to worry about that. Um, but yeah, no, hundred uh, percent. This this rotation has looked good, and and so but, has the. 
But before we get into pitching, though, because, you know, to your credit, right, we've talked about one of the struggles that this team had early on in the year was hitting with runners in scoring position. Yeah. Well, they've turned that around. Yeah, they definitely have. I mean, this team, when you look over the past week or two, they're really making strides to the plate with runners in scoring position. I saw a number that the the past, like, four or five games, runners in scoring position, they're hitting almost close to 400 at this point with runners in scoring position. It's great. uh, Which is great to see, great to hear. Uh, And you've got guys that are really, again, making strides at the plate. And one guy that stands out, how great is it to see Santander being so patient at the plate? He leads the team in walks right now. He is fourth in MLB and first in the American League in walks. That's patience, people. Yeah, I mean, that was always something that was a little bit question a uh, question mark of his game. He swung uh, at the high fastball all the time. All the time. Uh, he's still not hitting for a very high average right now, but to your point, he's being very patient at the plate, being very selective at the plate. But a lot of these guys, especially early on, man, have been hitting the ball hard. Yeah. Have been lacing the ball. Mancini's a guy who's been a victim of it multiple well, times this year, just hitting the ball right at people. To go back to the running runners in scoring position p- thing for him, right? He has, he's sixth on the team with, in hits with 21. But the other thing here is he's second on the team in RBIs yeah. with 12. Yeah. So you talk about a guy that's able to – he's being patient in the plate. He's making the most of his at-bats. He's got a few more strikeouts. I think he's got like 18, 19, 20 strikeouts. So it's a little high, uh, but there's a, guys that are a lot higher. So, we'll, you know, Jorge Mateo – I think has like 30 some strikeouts. Um, so there, there's, you know, question marks there. But overall, Santander is a guy that is being patient to play, looking better. So uh, is it going to get dealt before the All Star game? Honestly, Santander, if he can build his value up to get traded. By the way, Wyatt would correct you. It's Santander. Santander. <laughs> if he can build his value up to, to be. Uh, a trade piece again, like he was. I mean, there was rumors that the Marlins were interested in him last year or the year before. Uh, I think that he is an expendable piece. And the reason I say that is because outfield is a position that we actually have some depth in the minors at, that if Santander can return some value uh, in pitching or younger prospects that can come up, uh, I'm open to to listening to that. Same thing with Trey Mancini. As much as he's like – you know, the, the feel-good story. He's the locker room guy. You know, everything that he went through with, with cancer and all that stuff, you hate to see that guy go, but you got to think endgame. You got to think long-term. And if Mancini can bring back some prospects that could contribute in the next two to three years, I'm listening. All right. That's just my opinion. Well, another guy that uh, that brings question marks uh, right now as far as, you know, what he's been bringing to the table, table uh it's Ryan Mountcastle. What question marks do you have? Is he going to be here? He's hitting oh. 275 so far, but leads the team with four home runs, 16 RBIs. He hasn't even gotten he's started got, this year. He's got 28 Ks. Mateo has 30, as of, and this was as of yesterday, so yesterday morning before the, the Kansas City game. But, you know, he, he's he's a guy. He is, he's got the power. We've seen it. Mm-hmm. We've seen, you know, we saw the the one hit off the top of the wall. We saw he's had multiple home run games now. He's starting to really pick up. I mean, is he a piece you're willing to part with or no? Nope. Hell okay. no. He I'm, just, I'm making sure yeah, some people are saying, no. oh, get, get rid of him. Mountcastle was one of the first pieces to come up that is part of the future. Mountcastle yeah. isn't going anywhere. I got to ask, this isn't in our outline, but uh, we heard said he said he hit a home run. Said he's really been coming on here as of late. Nope. Uh, he ain't going anywhere. Okay, he's, he's you're not staying. willing to trade him. He's another staple. I think when we talk about veteran leadership, right, and and somebody who can be a table setter, 
Cedric Mullins stands out to me more than anybody else in this organization because you know me, I, I love a traditional leadoff hitter. We went through those couple of weird, awkward years where we didn't have a, 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 a actual leadoff hitter, and we had Marcakis in as there. As many home runs as he's hitting right now, I don't know if you can call him a but traditional he is, leadoff though, hitter. Because but he works the count. I he's a mean, good yeah. contact guy. He's starting to hit now. I know he struggled early on. I think he was pressing a little bit early on. Uh, yes, he's got for the a added power. Guy, he hits a lot with a lot of power. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, a 30 for 30 guy, right? Yeah. That was great. But I, I really think this transition to him committing to being a left-handed hitter in this ballpark, the way it's constructed right yeah. now, he is going to be a very dominant off, uh, offensive and defensive leadoff hitter for this team for a long time. Yeah, and I, I hope he is. Uh, one guy that I think is, is a bubble guy, and I'm curious to get your take, is at 26 years old and co- really coming into his own over the past over last year and this year so far, Austin Hayes. You look at what he's done. This guy, we drafted him in 2016. He is on fire, fire right yes. now. Yes, we drafted him in 2016. Like bonfire. He was a, he was drafted in the third round, 91st overall pick in 104 at bats. This was again. This wasn't including the Monday game against Kansas City. So this was Monday morning that I pulled these stats. He's hitting 327, which is sixth in the AL. He's got nine doubles, which leads the team, and he's tied for eighth in MLB. He's got, I think he's sixth in um, the AL in that. He's got three home runs, 12 walks, 20 Ks. He is hitting 327. And he, just the other day, Sunday, he went in a double header. I want to say in the two games, he went seven for eight. Right. Yeah. I mean, Austin Hayes is on next level fire right now. Offensively and defensively. I'm going to sum up some better numbers for you. Right? Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Since April 15th, right? About a month ago, so almost for a month, he's tied for first in the MLB in hits with 32, second in MLB in average with 386, fourth at 1.037 OPS, fourth in total bases at 49, fourth in OBP at 447, fifth in doubles at eight, and seventh in slugging percentage at 590. In the MLB, not the AL, in the MLB. And Austin, he hit like 475 I, in the last 11 games or something like that. It's something ridiculous. I love Austin Hayes. The the issue has been with Austin Hayes, very much like Will Fuller with you know we talked about it. Can he stay on the field? Can he stay healthy? He's been injured. He's had a lot of little nagging things that just year in and year out tend to keep him off the field, right? That's my only gripe with with Austin Hayes. I love his grit. I love his attitude. The players, the locker room love him. Uh, he is he is a guy that I would love. He's a love. fire guy. I, he's a guy I would love to play with. He, he's a guy I would love to have as a teammate, and I feel like his teammates feel the same way about him. Really, the only question I have for him is, can he stay on the field? But you have a Mullins and a Hayes, guys that you can bat 1-2, guys that you can bat 1-9. One one you, can, you can flip-flop <laughs> six, them, 9-1-3. One, one, you can go any which way with those guys, yeah. depending upon who's got the hot bat. I like it. And you're always going to have to have four outfielders, right? And if Austin Hayes long-term isn't an everyday player, if he's that rotational guy, he can play all three positions. So let me let me throw this out to you. If you deal Trey Mancini, mm-hmm. Mount Castle Which, moves. God, please stop the project of Trey Mancini in the outfield. He looks terrible. Yeah, he does. Just stop. He needs to stop. Just stop. But if you do that, it's to get Mount Castle at first as a solid. Mm-hmm. Do you have a problem sliding him into DH 
and bringing up one or two guys in the outfield. When that time comes, and depending upon who those guys are, you know the Kyle St- Kyle Stallers of the world, uh, you know the the I can't think of his name right now. The kid that was uh, Nevin. The- no, or McKenna. The, no, the kid that was in the uh, Machado trade uh, that keeps. Oh, Diaz, using Diaz, Diaz, right? Diaz. There, there's some other pieces. Obviously, Colton Cows are going to be here at some yeah. point, right? You got other pieces in the outfield that are going to come up. You got Kerstad if he can stay healthy. DJ right? Stewart. No, <laughs> no. I, if he never dons an Orioles uniform again, I'll be the. Can he man. never don an Orioles uniform again, please? Uh, so Why bad. is he still down in fucking New Orleans? It's so ridiculous. Awful. Uh, yeah, but I mean, that's the point is that Austin Hayes, you can use him for many different things. And when his bat is this kind of hot, this shows the kind of potential that he has offensively. So you, you, you kind of mentioned Hayes and some of the guys. Is there any what guy, what guys get are getting you excited? You know, we talked about the running and scoring position piece. Yeah. And I'm sure a few of those guys are probably get, get you excited. But who overall, when you look at this roster, who's got you excited the most right now on the major if, league? roster? As you say, if you're talking about the major league roster right now, beyond Austin Hayes, beyond you know the the Cedric Mullins of the world one piece I think that goes flying under the radar that not enough people talk about is Jorge Mateo and I love this guy from a versatility standpoint and what he brings on the bases god he's fast he is there's there there's fast there's fast and there's blazing fast and then there's (laughs) Billy Hamilton kind of fast right Jorge Mateo (laughs) is Billy Hamilton kind of fast on the base paths right and he is a difference maker, a guy yeah. that can go first to third and no questions, a guy that can go first to home. You know, I mean, he he is a difference maker. And He's Willie Mays Hayes fast. He is a guy that you can use in situations off the bench when you need that, you know. Pinch runner. You need that pinch runner. You're down one. You're down one and you got a man on first. Yeah. Pinch run. <laughs> pinch run. Jorge Mateo, right? I, there's, yeah. I, I like him as a person. I, I, I like his, again, his character, the way he presents himself on the field, the locker room standpoint. I think he adds an element to this team that I don't think enough fans appreciate. I, I, look, I, I 100% agree with you. My biggest gripe with him is the strikeouts. He needs to I become. He needs to become. You lead the team in strikeouts, and you're not a home run hitter. You're a contact hitter. He's got a lot of. Du- he's got a lot of doubles. Good triples. He can get he can get around the bases. I get that, but at the same time, you need to be if you're a hitter like that. If he were more disciplined to the plate, mm-hmm. I'd say he could be the more rounded, natural leadoff hitter than said he is. Could be because he's, he's, he's more got of a long, contact guy. He's, he's got a long way to go with that. He does. He's got to be a better contact hitter. Um, but he's got the other he's got the other intangibles to that. Yeah. No, That's what I'm saying. Like, there's there's that part of it. So yeah. So all right. So you mentioned and defensively, he's a wizard at, at times, man. At shortstop, he makes plays. It's just like, and he's got a cannon. Oh, he does. He he's got, got a hell of an arm. Absolute I'd cannon. Curious, I'd be curious to see if him in the outfield. Yeah. Right. I, I I'd be curious who throws harder, him or Manny Machado. Because remember Machado, man, over there at third base, the, the it looked eff, like it looked effortless. Effort, yeah. It was completely <laughs> effortless, so but he natural. had a fucking rope. But Jorge Mateo's got that kind of arm. But that's why Jorge needs to be up the middle. He needs to be able to turn. Remember the 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 Jonathan Scope? uh, uh, J.J. Hardy? J.J. Hardy combination. It was that quick bam. Quick bam. That's why he needs to be up the middle because of that arm. Rugnet Odor, he can eat a dick. See you later. Adios. He stands out to me in a negative way. Yeah, 100%. See you later. 100%. So you talked, you mentioned before we kind of got started on the runners and scoring position, we were talking about the rotation and the bullpen. 
obviously, it sounds like there's some excitement there for you. Where where are you looking when you're looking at the bullpen and the the, the starting rotation? Man, pitching as a whole has been good. It, there's just so many guys that stand out for me. I mean, right now. The home starters ERA is hovering around 250 on the season. I think the wall's working. Yeah, but it's also hurt you. I know. I understand. It's early. Once it starts warming up and those balls start flying a little bit more. throwing two different kind of baseballs out there. I know. They got the the (laughs) softball. I get it. But the ball of socks is people like oh. 250. I don't think anybody projected that. I don't care if you're nah, rolling. We were expecting like four or five. <laughs> I don't care Easy. if you're rolling fucking Jim Palmer, Mike Messina, and all these guys <laughs> out there. A 250 ERA collectively at home, that's huge. Yeah. Right? That's huge. And it's been some guys that I just didn't expect it. You got Bruce Zimmerman, who, to Drew's credit, I know he's kind of compared him to, to John Means and how John Means has kind of developed on came the scene, into his right? Own, yeah. And came into his own major improvement over last year, right? You can see that he's more confident that, you know, he's going up there. He's calmer. He's more collected on the mound. A hundred percent. He is. I love Bruce Zimmerman, Tyler Wells starting to pitch really well, pitched very well yesterday, pitching, picking up his first win as a starter. I want to see him get over some ups and downs and recover from some downs. Here's the thing. Three straight quality starts for Tyler I, Wells, right? Yes, yes. We couldn't find a quality start from anybody two years ago. The problem with him is he just also he doesn't always get the run support either. Really? So. I agree with that. It's he's got a below four ERA at this yeah. point. No walks in four games. You yeah. know, you talk about control and commanding the strike zone and pitching. Listen, make those hitters beat you. And you have a ballpark right now that's designed. To allow you to pitch in the strike zone, do it, and this guy's doing it. He he is my only. Here's my only knock with him, and I know you're you know you're excited with him, right? And I am too. My only knock with him is he's one of the few guys that it seems like he's trying to dot too much. He's trying to dot the strike zone a little too much. You're you're not no quite, walk says he's dotting it though. Because if he's dotting it, typically that means he's, he's going to miss out of the strike zone. He's going to walk. He's taking guys. a lot of he's taking a lot of things to two and two and threes. Who counts? Okay. So you, you'd like to see him get through his... his I, I'd like to see him use his pre- pitch repertoire to full guys and not trying to dot it and take his pitch count up because those quality starts, if he could stop trying to dot the ball and just use the pitch, use the change of speed that he's got and use the pitch you know, selection that he's got to be a, just a little bit better. Right. We could be talking about, about a guy, and that's where my excitement about him comes in, if, he, if we can get him to make those adjustments, we're talking about a guy that could be going into the seventh inning I'll regularly. be honest with you. Tyler Wells, I had no expectations of ever potentially being in the rotation long term. I always saw him as a potential like middle relief or long arm in the bullpen. That's where I saw Tyler Wells. Right now, even when all these top-level prospects come up, he could be an, a back-of-the-rotation kind of guy, a fourth mm-hmm. or fifth type starter, if he can continue to progress the way he's progressing right now. That's what I'm saying. That's why I think he yeah. stood out to me because I really didn't have high expectations for him right, in the fair rotation. Enough, fair enough. Jordan Lyles, the, the seasoned vet, yeah. right? He came in. Didn't I, look good at first. He didn't, but what, what was the big thing about bringing him in? Being an innings eater, and right now yeah. he leads the team in, in innings pitched, which mm-hmm. is exactly what we expected him. Right now, he's another got a, guy that's not getting run support all the time. Right, and he's been hovering around a low three, you know, high three, low four ERA right now. So right where you'd hope that he would be. Uh, so again, from a rotation Took standpoint, into the seventh the other day, he got Kyle Bradish. <laughs> Kyle Bradish is the first piece of that potential long term rotation who's up here, and he's working through things. I know he hasn't looked. 
sexy yet like he has in the minor leagues. But what I appreciate is that he's here and yes. that he's working through it here at this level. He's, he's and he a, hasn't embarrassed himself. He hasn't looked no, bad. No, he he's a guy that he's a he's a he's a three guy, yeah. right? When you look at, at if you look at what's in the minors and what's here now, and you say, okay, taking all the the extra pieces out and the guys that were in the minors last year, Bradish was a number three. Mm-hmm. DL Hall was a number two. Grayson Rodriguez, bring him up in anticipation that he's eventually going to be a number one, especially with John Means gone. Right. Right. There, there's these different pieces that you got to look at. And to your point, Bradish coming up, I was there for his start. It didn't look bad. Did he get the win? No. Did they take him deep? No. He was on a pitch count. Yeah. First time the majors, guy got roughed up a little bit in the third, but bounced back yep. well. You can't ask for anything more from a bounce back. He's not a blow away starter. He's not a great. I'll be honest with you, though, too, in that first start and just being, you know, defensive a little bit with him, too, is he was getting hosed on some calls. But again, hosed hosed on pitches. But again, another guy that was trying to dot the corners. You're not getting those calls when you're a young, up and coming guy. Two starts. Two starts. I get it. Right. I just love that he's here and he's working through that. You bring up, he he didn't, he wasn't going to have the splash. That a Grayson Rodriguez will. Mm. Grayson Rodriguez comes up and has that kind of start. I'm like, ooh. Carlozo says he's mowing him down right now. I love Good. it. Good. Good, man. Good. Keep his post and let us know. But, yeah, I, I, listen, just, again, this pitching staff as a whole, who I thought would be the bigger issue, <laughs> especially to start this year off, than the hitting, has more than surprised me so far uh, and has kept them in a lot of games. The Orioles aren't getting blown out. In games, yes, I understand they're in fourth place in the AL East, which to me is still a win. They're above yeah. the Red Sox in the AL East, <laughs> right. but they're not getting blown out. No, go ahead, James. And and as much as we all like, we're worried about. I'm loving that wall, dude. Yeah, that wall. You're seeing the long ball actually home runs that are like what we want to see, but then you're also seeing you're seeing a lot of doubles. Right. You're seeing a lot of like throws out at second, people trying to, you know, see if they can get to second. So I, that wall is going to have a lot of excitements. And hopefully in the next two to three years, it'll have a lot of excitements and playoffs. The, the only thing 100%. I the only thing I would say about that is when you go and you look at, at what's happened in the big moments that have been that would have been home runs, a lot of them were actually Orioles hitting. Right. So I get it. Yes, it, it's it seems to to have helped on paper, but it's also been a hindrance. It's also hurt you. You've had two two times now that Trey Mancini would have had a home run, three times that Ryan Mountcastle would have had additional home runs. All right, well, start so, eating your Wheaties and drinking your milk. <laughs> I, and I, Again, it, it's it's early. It, it, it's, it's early, but once it gets late, warmer, that's what I'm saying. Late this month, early June is when things really start to warm up, and that's when balls start flying out of that. Stadium. I'm not not debating again, and just initial. Here's what I'm seeing in front of me, right, is being there. But, again, the only thing I I don't like, and I know that Joe has has talked to you about it too, not necessarily fans of the fan perspective. 
just mainly because that. of what we were used to. Yeah. You're used to seeing things from a certain level, the interaction, being able to, you know, see stuff in the bullpen, see around the corners. It, it's it's different. It is taking some getting Nobody used to. Nobody likes change either. No, hundred percent. It's gonna take some getting used to. There's nothing look, we can't we can't sit there and say, Give me my seats back. Yeah. <laughs> they're not gonna they're not gonna plot me a lawn chair out in that field. I wish they, <laughs> they would. They should have sent you the seats in the mail though. <laughs> yeah, that's what we said. Uh but yeah, it's it's one of those things, it's taking some getting used to, so I, I'm torn on both. I do want to get to you know the the multi-million dollar question but i know that there were two guys we talked obviously about jorge lopez what he's done yeah uh, and look good but there's another guy that the two of you and you were even getting excited on him give you old-timey feels yeah, 90s 90s orioles that's, bullpen that's, feels. that's the 40 year old in us coming out james <laughs> felix, i'm not far behind you i was there just so you know <laughs> felix bautista <laughs> He's the real deal, man, and you're you're right. He's giving me that that Armando Benitez, that Jorge Julio. You gonna fuck somebody man. up? We talked about it, you know, prior to him making his debut. Drew and I had said something very similar to Armando Benitez, and he is living up to the bill, man. He's got the the intimidating frame. He's a big dude. I mean, he hits a hundred to a hundred and two effortlessly. Uh, you know, obviously the command is still a work in progress, but I mean he, the movement that he has. On his pitches, beyond just being able to throw 100 to 102, this guy has all the makings to be a dominant closer in the future. Yeah, I think he's he's a guy that he, when you watched him hit 100 the other day. I saw it at 102. I'm saying the first time he hit 100. Okay. It was, you watched the the, uh, the batter, I forget who it was. He just kind of looked back like, Shit, that was something different. You know why? Because he's got that Randy Johnson effect. Randy Johnson could throw 100 mile an hour, but he was nine feet tall. So by the time he let go of the ball, he was eight inches away from the batter. Who is it? Uh, Felix Bautista's like that. The guy that was with the Reds for a while, Garrett, right? Yeah. They, could, they could also hit on her. He's bigger than Garrett was. Yeah. Garrett, Garrett's a big dude. Right. This guy is 6'8, I want to say. Right. He's a big fucking dude, and he's solid muscle when you look at him. He ain't he ain't no skinny, lanky guy. Yeah. He is solid I, muscle. I'm excited about this kid, and the fact that, like, he just kind of popped up out of nowhere a couple years ago. He's in the Dominican League for a while. He started with the even, Marlins in the, in the Dominican League. I didn't even know who he was until he hit Delmarva. When he hit Delmarva, I said, who the fuck is this yeah, big 2019 dude? is when he hit, he hit Delmarva. And, and shout out to The Verge. You know, the guys, if, you, if you're not following, if you're an Oriole fan, and you're not following The Verge on Twitter. What are you doing with your life? What are you doing with your life? These guys, I mean, they follow all the levels of minor league baseball with Orioles. And they, I mean, up to the minute, updates on everything. They're doing, a, they're killing it. Uh, I, they they kind of put me on to Felix Bautista when he first came up with Delmarva, and I said, "Who is this kid? And when can he be in Baltimore?" And it, did, <laughs> yeah. I mean, and honestly, it didn't take long. I mean, yeah. it took two years two from years. from Delmarva to us, uh, and now we're seeing what this guy's potential yeah, is. Yeah, I mean, it's great to see this guy. I think it's something that we're going to all be excited for, and especially just seeing the the solidification of the back end of that rotation again. What Jorge Lopez has done and the numbers that he's putting up look amazing right absolutely jorge julio was a guy that i thought for sure could end up because jorge lopez i'm sorry what did i say jorge julio see that's i told a, you i'm stuck in the 90s i'm stuck in the 90s <laughs> <laughs> jorge lopez i think he was uh, late 2000s early 2000s he might have been whatever he's a guy that i told you he had those short bursts right for that first like time or two through the order he was dominant as a pitch yeah. as a starting pitcher once he got to that third time through the order that's when everybody caught up to him but when he was used in in relief 
you saw him take his velocity to the next level. And his pitches got nastier because he didn't have to worry about stamina. He didn't have to worry about long term. He could give it all he got. So I thought, man, this guy's got pretty good pump command. It, pump it in there, yeah. He's humping it in there. He's got good movement. He's got a good repertoire of pitches. Yeah. I think he would fit well as a closer, and he's done very well. Four or five saves so far yeah. and a below two ERA. Well, we're talking about some of these guys coming up. Well, I got the million-dollar question. We've been talking about the O's prospects, which seems to be forever now. Okay, mm -hmm. At this point, it's not a matter of time, but rather when these prospects make their debut. Yep. So the O's are on a six-game road trip right now, taking on the Cards and the Tigers. You've got Adley and DL, both in Norfolk. Flew through their, I guess, so, rehab assignment or whatever you want to call it. They went all through. They went Aberdeen, Bowie, they were in Aberdeen. They were in Aberdeen for, for a, a cup few, of coffee. For, for a few days. No, they were in Aberdeen for a few days. They were in Bowie for one cup of okay, coffee. Yeah, maybe that's what, <laughs> that's what it was. Uh, I, think they were, I think they were in Bowie for literally like three days. Okay. Like it wasn't anything. Uh, but now you've got them going there. I don't – so this is being selfish, very selfish, because oh. I won't be here next week. Oh. My ass will be in Vegas ah. and not on the strip because I'm doing the work thing. That sucks. I feel They come you. back home and they take on the Yankees and then the Rays. I don't want them to, but I have a feeling mm -hmm. Adley Rutschman is making his debut There's that chubby again. Monday. There it is. Third time this show I've had a chubby. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I really do. I think it's it's Adley time. I think in the next week he will be here. Uh, more and than DL likely. ain't far behind him. Yeah, it it they'll if the Ravens or if the Orioles are smart with their marketing, right? They'll make this announcement a couple days before it actually happens. Get asses in the seat. It'll be for that Yankees series. They'll they'll fill the house. The only thing the only thing I'm holding out hope for is that they actually like wait and they say, well. It's the Yankees on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then the Rays on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, well, actually, no. It's they, it's a four-game series against the Yankees. Monday through Thursday against the Yankees. Then Friday, Saturday, Sunday is the, the Rays. And then they go back on the road. So I'm kind of, again, selfishly holding out hope that they go, let's wait for the next series, which I forget who it is. Do you have tickets available for that game that I could somehow get? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. We'll talk after the show. We'll see. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I, I do. I think he's coming. Uh, it's a matter of time, and it's a good time because, you know, Adley's obviously going to be the future of this team behind the plate, and he needs to work with the current-day pitchers that are going to be a part of this team moving forward. You've got Kyle Bradish up here already. you got Tyler Wells up here already. You know, these you got, you know, got he needs pieces. to be able to learn how to handle Felix Bautista. <laughs> exactly, and they need to get used to him. And let's, let's be honest, the catching – has been pretty bad from an offensive standpoint. Defensively, I really Chirinos like Torino's. Was an upgrade, yeah. Definitely an upgrade defensively, big upgrade defensively. But offensively, it's been a severe downgrade. Adley can call a game. He's a plus in both categories. There's, there's nothing that you're going to have to worry about him with a ramp-up period or a coaching period. He is going to be able to come in and get comfortable with this staff right away, and I think it needs to happen. By the way, uh, the next series after, so they go, it's New York, then Tampa at home, then it's New York on the road, Boston on the road, and then Seattle and Seattle, Cleveland, and the Cubs at home. That's the series I'd like to see them bring him back. Nah, 
I think it happens in this first Yankee series. Go ahead. So. But uh, Torino, that's the catcher, right? Yeah, Torino's, yeah. Torino's, yep. Does he does he look like a Nelson Cruz when you see him? He does a little bit. Yeah. Like, He's got the, the beard without yeah. the mustache yeah, thing. Yeah. He's trying he to does. get the Nelson Cruz. Thing, yeah, he doesn't know? hit yeah. like Nelson Cruz. That's for <laughs> no. damn sure. No. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I, listen, I don't think – I'm excited and, I, and I'm antsy because I don't think it's all going to happen at once. But I really don't think it's going to be long behind Adley that we see some of these other names. I don't think it'll be long before Grayson's here. I don't think it'll be long before DL's here. I think that they're going to want to get a nice sample size this season of where they're at at the major league level that they can go into next offseason. Because let's remind you, there were rumors about the Ravens or about the Orioles going after Carlos Correa yeah. this past season, right? They were willing to put money on the table. Had they been had, had money been put on the table, this would this structure of this season might look a little bit different right now. Right. So my thought process is if he only signed a one year deal with Minnesota, right? Essentially, it's a one year. Yeah. I can get out because of the opt out thing. If he opts out. The Orioles are going to want to see, all right, is Carlos Correa going to be a difference maker from taking us from a 50-win team to a potential playoff team with all these other pieces that we have in the fold? Or should we allocate our funds elsewhere? Do we still need to add to the pitching staff? Do we need to add to the back of the bullpen? Do right. we need to add to positions other, you know, elsewhere? elsewhere. Uh, I know what we talked about later in the year for some of these guys. I got a weird feeling. If Adley breaks next week, I really think some of these other pieces come up much earlier oh, than we I, I don't. I don't, and I don't disagree with you, which is why I made the statement: Ad, if Adley comes up, really, when Adley comes up, I'm not going to say if. When Adley comes up, I think here, here, think, th- think this through, right? What did we just say? What did I just bring up? <laughs> Bradish is the guy that probably he was your number three. Right, he's never going to be. He ha, he's. You mean as far as the the minors pecking order? Yeah, like yeah, if yeah. you've got it, Grayson it, it, one and you got DL two, correct? Bradish three, okay. So you bring him up now, get used to it. It's get him the development now at the major league level. Then you bring up DL <laughs> of the three. Joe says I got a ticket for you Monday, Fred. If you answer your text, <laughs> Jesus, Carlosa, you are in your feelings. I will answer you. I had no idea you texted me. Uh, Sorry, buddy. But no, so I love you, Joe. If you bring them up with the guy that needs the most the most work at the major league level, Bradish. Okay. Then the next guy that needs the most the most work at the major league level, it's DL. Mm-hmm. The guy that we've said since he was in Bowie. Ballman. Grayson Rodriguez. Oh, Grayson. Oh, yeah. Grayson Rodriguez is ready. Now Ballman, Ballman, they brought him up. Yeah. It, it's work. That's what I'm saying. So so to that point. Grayson, DL, Bradish. Brenovich is hurt right now, but he is still a piece that's going to be heard of. You have Zimmerman. Zimmerman, Ballman, who still could be a part of it. Ballman, I think, becomes a long reliever. Tyler Wells, who's pitching very well Mm -hmm. right now, right? You've got seven or eight guys, let's just say. John Means is going to come back at some point. you got eight guys that could potentially fill in this roster Mm -hmm. as as a potential starting staff. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited about this future, man. Not, I, not to mention the fact that you have those guys. It's here. If you you have you have an abundance of those guys, and if they're if they're proven, if you bring them out to the major league level, people are going to be salivating. 
Yeah. And Adley, at which I'm salivating right now. But my point behind that, it it, it increases your your trade value opportunity. Right. That if you are one piece away, okay, we'll give you what's one up, Stephen. We'll give you one one of these starters, and you know this guy down in you know in uh, Aberdeen right now, right? Not Kobe Mayo. We'll give you that. <laughs> we'll go from there. That's my guy. I know, right? But no, yeah, a hundred percent. This rotation, it's it could look completely different, and not to mention. Who knows what we add through the draft? The draft is in draft July. Draft is coming up, man. It's in it's July. It's not that long away. You know, we'll, we'll kind of. Uh, I, I know that we kind of had some stuff in here. We'll we'll hold off on yeah. those and we'll talk about those a little bit more next week and really dive Sounds into good. what's the next set of guys that we can there, see Elias listen, go after. Listen, the, the, the Orioles have the number one overall pick in this upcoming draft, and there are some really intriguing names with some really intriguing bloodlines yeah. that are <laughs> being tagged to the Orioles right now, potentially at number one. We're going to talk about it next week, so stay tuned for that because yeah. I'm excited for those names. Yeah. And I don't think and, it'll be long before they're here, and a too. quick a quick injury update. You mentioned uh, the the fact of uh, the some of the injuries we've seen. Yeah. Right-handed pitcher Chris Chris Ellis, he's done for the season with right uh, shoulder surgery. Alex Wells uh, is left UCL strain. He might come back in July, August. And then the other <laughs> guy that is going to, I think, wind up being a staple in the bullpen is Dean Kramer. Could come back in the end of May. And then we also have Taryn Vavra and Kyle Brenovich down in, in Norfolk that are on uh, some injury situations. And Vavra is actually the concerning one for me because he's down with a hamstring strain. Yeah, and you, no never know a, you never no know return date on the hamstring. Hamstrings could be temporary or they could be long-term. You just never know. Yeah. boundaries two topics 30 seconds each it's time for the two minute warning all right fellas it's time for the two minute warning you could tell i I had been gone for a minute I hadn't been here in a week. We're over a two-hour show at this point. It's only yes. three of us in here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had to let you go. Get everything out. Get it, get it all out of your system There's now. There's so much to talk about, man. So I'm much sorry, to catch up I won't up be on. here next week, so uh, you and Drew are going to have to take the segment, all and then right. I'll have to give my take later like on. We'll it. see. At some point, Ryan will be back, and we'll talk Terps again. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. It'll happen eventually. We'll see it. We'll see it. Right. All right, it's time for the two-minute warning, fellas. I guess, uh, James, you're going to read them off to us. Yeah. I haven't had a chance to read yet, so, Scott, I'm going to let you go. All right. All right. We all saw the Mad Bum slash Dan what, Bellino, Bellino yeah. debacle this week Yeah, with the, the Diamondbacks who took on the Marlins. What are your thoughts with Mad Bum reaction to Bellavino apologizing and just MLB reaction to all of this? Uh, I mean, the strike zone was pretty bad uh, in the first inning. It was bad, so <laughs> I can't get – like, Mad Bomb is a seasoned veteran. I talked about dotting pitches. Mm-hmm. He's a guy – he should be able to dot pitches. It should be called. If it's touching the line, it should be called, right? Uh, Dan Bellino apologizing. Uh, a great uh, – a, a umpire admitted that he was wrong. We actually saw that twice this week. There was another one uh, in L.A. where he admitted he was wrong. And the MLB's reaction? What fucking reaction? Yeah. <laughs> Bolino, I, the whole stare down, the awkwardness of it, like, so I understood, like, what was going on in his head. As his head In his head, he's sitting there like, look at me, motherfucker. Look at me, motherfucker. Don't do it, right? It, it was one of those, like, I don't need to say anything for you to understand what I'm thinking right now type moments. So I get what he was doing there, uh, but it was, doesn't take away from the fact that it was very awkward. You don't yeah. see umpires doing anything like that, and I'm sure he makes a hell of a husband. <laughs> 
Moving on. All right. <clears throat> Whenever the bastard retires, Tom Brady uh, is already signed to Fox Sports for lead color guy. Thoughts on it? <laughs> I can't, like, I can't get mad at it. He's He is genius in this because he's already signed a deal and he's not even done. It, it, it's, it's better than what Romo did. And I think I honestly... I'm intrigued. I want to see and hear how he he seems to be a very well-spoken guy when he's in front of a camera a lot of times, especially talking about the game. I'm curious, can he color commentate well? The only thing that's surprising about this was that I really thought Tom Brady would be a guy who got into ownership right out of football. Like he would be a guy mm. that's more on the yeah. the back end side more than the guy that's in front of the camera type of thing. Um Financially, I think it makes more sense for him, and I just thought that that was where he would be. But this is a guy, when you talk about entertainment value, like people will tune in. There isn't a scenario that this guy hasn't been through. Uh, You talk about winning Super Bowls, losing Super Bowls. I mean, it's going to, you talk about like Peyton Manning and how entertaining he is with his show. Tom Brady is going to be super entertaining, I think. Even Romo Nostradamus. And he is (laughs) going to be the guy for Fox because Buck and uh, and Troy are. Our ESPN. Yep, for sure. All right, fellas, great show. Uh, we have one more giveaway to do, though, don't we? We do have one more giveaway. Let me to do. cut this outro off. What, <laughs> what am I doing? doing? Right? Did we do three? No, no we did two. Did. I got two right here. We did, we did, we did two. two. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah we did okay. two. All right, we got one more to give away. <laughs> <laughs> so Alex and Carlozo uh, are the two first winners. So we remove those from the list. Let's do our third winner for our jersey. Uh, again, you can pick any Ravens player. You can put your name on it. You can put your kid's you know, name on it. Whatever you want to do with because the Joe Carlosa was was wasn't listening. Should we let him have the win? He was at, he was at the fair with his kids. I'm gonna oh, let him have it. He's right. got a hall pass. Apparently, I'm not answering text messages. Oh, all right, I can't have him up in his feelings anymore than he already is. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, all right. So so Joe's off the board and Alex is off the board. So we've got Brian, Ryan, Harris, uh, Vince Figueroa, uh, Joe Braun, David Mitzler, and Nick. Short and Emma and Lily. So we're gonna come over here. We're gonna find out our random I'm number generator. Call right now, Dave. Here we go. He's calling Dave. We got nope. 188. Wait a I believe I think that that's might a, be yep, that's Alex. Alex Devon. All right, another so re-roll. Here we go. Re-roll. Let's see what we get. Number uh, one. <laughs> I think that's also. <laughs> no, I think that went over. That's Joe. Joe Braun. Joe Braun. All right, so. Joe Braun's wishes were, and I talked to him right after the show. He said, hey, if I win, give it to somebody else. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to roll oh, again. Oh, Fuck it. All right. Joe Braun said, hey, I'm, I was donating to keep the show going. Let's let's uh, uh, let's give it away to I somebody else who eight. deserves 368. it. 368. 368. Carlozo okay. again. Come Jesus on. Christ. We got to roll it again. Here we go. Let's see. 28. 28. Oh, that's Pride. a new one. That's Brian Blair. No, no it isn't. No. That's Ryan, Ryan Harris. Harris. All right, Ryan, you are our winner for our third jersey giveaway. Again, thank you to all of you who donated uh, and 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 submitted and, and gave us support through that entire draft show. It means a lot to us. Uh, I will definitely be doing some giveaways again in the future. Um, yeah. Thank you. And truly, thank you. And stay tuned, guys. You know, we, we're, we, we've said that we are looking for, you know, another new sponsor as well. Um, ideally, just to throw it out there, we, we want to partner with with a place that we can maybe do some live shows at. Yeah. Um, we might have something in the works already. We'll see. Uh, but we're going to try to also this year maybe get a live show or two together uh, just because we had such great turnout last time, such yeah. great feedback. We'd love to do it again. And it was at Pizza John's. I and mean, you can't go wrong can't at go Pizza wrong John's. There. Can't right? go wrong there. 
go wrong there. So we'll get everything kind of figured out and, and stay tuned. But again, if you guys do know anybody, your business owners, you know business owners that in, in the Baltimore area that are looking to sponsor, we definitely would appreciate uh, you putting that out there for us. But make sure you also send anybody, send, send anybody and everybody to our website. You go to our website, www.birdlandbs.com. While you're there, you can check out all of our episodes. You can learn about each of us. You can get yourself some Birdland BS gear. Go check it out. I've always got the hat on, the shirt. I, I'm always rocking it. Let it's, us know, Nick, man. We would love the, the I, reference there. Appreciate yeah, it. I got a, a lovely, this guy for, for our Christmas gifts. Hey, David, thank you again for everything that you did with the donations and everything. It means a lot to yes. us, brother. Uh, and for the Christmas gifts, um, you know, Fred gave us a, a nice Under Armour polo uh, jacket. Very, very not nice. A polo. It's, it's a, a pullover. Not yeah, a polo. Yeah, pullover jacket. But, uh, but no, very, very nice. Uh, so you can always get stuff like that on the website. You can also check us out on Big Play uh, and the Big Play app. Um, also, make sure that you go to all of our social media pages. If you're watching this show right now live on the on the stream, um, I'm pretty sure you found us on one of our social media pages. But find us on all of them, man. Hey, exactly. listen. One thing that you can do that doesn't cost you anything is leave us a review on anything that you watch. Smash that like button. Smash that subscribe button. If yeah. there is a way, if you're on Apple Podcasts or anything like that, that you can leave a review, all that does is go a long way in trying to find us and giving us more exposure. We appreciate each and every yeah, one of them. Yeah, we appreciate when you guys do that and when you become a part of Birdland BS Nation doing yeah. that so again appreciate all the love that you guys are always providing all the love through the draft i'm sure there will be more raffles and things to come so stay it went tuned. so well we're gonna do more we're for gonna sure. do more and again as always check out that bio bio.link slash birdland bs to get access to everything all in one spot including those donation spots that we've mentioned in in previous shows so appreciate you guys for James and Ryan, who couldn't be there, or I'm sorry, Drew? For, for Drew and Ryan, who couldn't be this, here this week, James is over in the producer chair. Fred and I cannot clearly speak tonight at times. It has been a long show. <laughs> we'll see you guys in the after hours. See ya.